Notes from BKM. Dean needs to understand why he needs to insult the audience. Dean needs to read his promos verbatim and not try to rewrite them. If I have something to prove, it's that I want to prove that your creative process, the WWE's creative process, sucks. It does not work. It's absolutely terrible. And I, I said, I've said that to Vince. I've said that to Hunter. I've said that to Michael. Hey, I, I think that whatever, I can't even tell you how this system works. It's some kind of system of meetings that take place in Stanford, and there's a home team, there's writers and producers and uh, production meetings, and nobody knows what's approved and what's not. And like the bureaucratic red tape you have to go through to get anything approved. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's crazy. It doesn't work. It's killing the company. And I think Vince is the problem. You know, so I'm hoping if I had a goal with AEW is that we could prove that Vince's way sucks. I'll put a challenge out to him right now. Your creative process sucks. Change it. From now on, everything I do, nothing is about money. Everything I do, I'm chasing and directed by passion, creativity, artistic satisfaction, and fun. And I think the rewards, be they monetary or otherwise, will come. Hello, this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hi, lads. How's things? It's uh, been a, a slow week, the last week. Nothing to talk about on this podcast. Not like there was a whole load of breaking news after we pretty much finished recording last week. You know, it gets ridiculous at times, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, there's stuff we're going to talk about on this that feels like quite distant now, mm. given other things that are even going on today. Yeah, it's just mental, all this. And then, might as well get it over and done with. A couple of horrible European finals this week. That really, <laughs> one of them for me was personally painful to watch that. The defeat in front of just whatever Azerbaijani was walking past and fancied <laughs> watching a Europa League final, basically. Oh, they open up the turnstiles, for fuck's sake. I know, I saw. We, we talked yeah. briefly about having you on we talked briefly about having your own British wrestling experience last week, GP, JP, and then I remembered, oh yeah, it's the Wednesday, that's when Arsenal play in, and actually maybe I should have just given you the call anyway and pulled you out of uh, that misery of watching that game. I'd have been up for it after like an hour. <laughs> like, I was I was completely deflated by this by that point, and completely unsurprised. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, not, not in a good place, and... If that Newcastle takeover happens, which it probably won't, then yeah, I think Arsenal are in for a really rough ride for a couple of years until Stan Kroenke goes, the piece of shit. <laughs> now, I'm weirdly, it's the only time I side with Vince when he teed off about Kroenke not getting the arena in Denver. Like, I'm with him on that. That's the only time. It's the only time I'll agree with him. What's the story there? I don't remember that at all. Oh, do you not remember that? There was something to do because it was the Den, the LA Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Mm. He was what he booked Raw, and they had to cancel it, and because they got to the playoffs, and they they ended up playing in the arena, and it ended up that Vince moved the show to LA, had a team with people wearing Lakers jerseys, winning a, a elimination match, I think it was against te- people wearing. Denver Nuggets, and he had a Stan Kroenke personator come out, and kicked, and like it just made him look. It was it was kind of embarrassing, but Kroenke's a prick, so <laughs> I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. What year was this? I want to say this might have been three, possibly four years ago, when he just taken over, or he was like might have even been rumored to be taken over at the time. 
I've no memory of that. Probably for the best. Just setting settling petty scores once again, eh? That's that's the story of story of his yeah. life. <laughs> but I'm with him on this petty score. And then of course, Benno, you had to um <laughs> you've you've had to endure a, a fun being around the fun city of Liverpool this week. Yeah. Honestly, I was saying before we recorded, I went I was in work on Saturday and I left work and went through the city centre, went through town and it was just like mayhem. Just just people in red shirts everywhere coming out to watch the game. I, I just avoided town for the pretty much 48-hour window, so it wasn't too bad. Watched the game at home, it was boring as fuck. Uh, and avoided talking about it to people in work, so yeah, got off pretty pretty lightly, but yeah, definitely, definitely avoided uh, Liverpool in general. Yeah, a couple of terrible finals really, weren't they? Yeah, that's it. What have you been up to, Joe? Anything, anything that can cheer us up? <laughs> uh... Oh God, I don't know if I'm full of cheer. When am I ever full of cheer? Let's be honest. Not, <laughs> cheer isn't my brand, is it? Let's let's be frank about it. Um, Maybe we could get a sponsor, like some kind of like, not depression, but some kind of antidepressants or something. Something that like, yeah, for that we could we could use it. We could we could turn it into a gimmick, like JP with the blue chew. Not sure I need antidepressants necessarily because I feel I feel all right, but uh, I don't always see the uh, fun side of life. Let's just say uh, but, uh, that glass half empty. Not even glass half empty. I don't think. I just don't know. I'm not one to jump for joy and be Mister Positive, Mister Realist. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I like to be seen as. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll go for that one. Went to the cockpit yesterday. That was quite good fun. Uh, had a good day in London. Champions League final was ah, just dull. To me, it represented why, as much as I love football and mm. wrestling and football, are like my main two loves in life. Apart from my girlfriend, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> wrestling will always win out because you can always book wrestling. And New Japan the last few years, all these hot builds, there's been a great payoff as well. Mm. And these Champions League semi-finals and quarter-finals, which are some of the best games ever seen, where was the payoff at the end? It was like having a mm. G1 final that just sucked, basically, after all this great entertainment and the build-up to it. Mm. Give me a work sport anytime. At this point, yeah. 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 Most of the time. Mm. It's much less painful than real sport. Uh, it can be pretty painful at times. Oh, yeah. Think of some of the rants we've had on here. <laughs> I, wonder, the... I wonder if there's anything that's happened in the world that will make us rant tonight. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, yeah. There's plenty, uh, plenty of ranting to come in this podcast. But, yeah, um, again, maybe, I'm sure we could find some kind of a sponsor that'll fit, JP. we got loads of um, loads of votes for, for you to re- read out a Bluetooth sponsor. Uh, I'm still working on it, mate. I'm trying to uh, to sweet-talk them into getting it, getting it, getting you on there. I think it could, uh, it could make some money, though. I'll I'll do it. I my morals are at best shady, and if there's a few quid and some hockey hooky blueies as well, we might as well go. Let's let's go berserk. Oh, you got much experience of hooky blueies? No comment. <laughs> so instead of Bluetooth, we're going to do like Camagra, Camagra by JP. Now you're sucking diesel, something like that. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, I, I can I can go in on that stuff. Uh, I'll try. I'll try and. I'll try and work it in Jericho style at some point oh during the show. Yeah, that's gonna be. That's gonna be a theme of this podcast, isn't it? We're probably gonna spend a good chunk of the first hour talking about other podcasts. And my God, <laughs> between like Jericho trying to flog steaks and Way Keller trying to flog Amazon and plugs to his own website every ten minutes, like yeah. I think we're, we're definitely uh, we're late to the game here, lads. We are. We should be just peppering these things with ridiculous adverts or, or trying to work out to be subtle so we bring this up as if, I don't know, 
we're sponsored by the Dave. Premier League because we end up talking about football so much. We just make it sound like this is just sponsored by Red <laughs> Pro, apparently. So you know, we are sponsored. Yeah. Well, you've been earning that. You've earned good well, coin off them, haven't you? At this point, at Red all Pro, all that money they're raking in, yeah, definitely. Sponsored <laughs> by Dave slash UK Gold or whatever it's called now, Men and Motors. Oh, if only Men and Motors still existed, I feel sorry for the generations of young lads like JP's son who just are never going to experience the the gateway drug of Men and Motors until you find the harder stuff. He's just gone full in on Pornhub and just gone, yeah, <laughs> full pelt. <laughs> Don't know if that's well, probably. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I can't want to know. We'll try not to no, no sex cetera for this generation or like the, the stuff that would be on like the early hours on Bravo uh, after Boots. Not even a Euro years. trash. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. A generation not knowing the joys of Antoine de Carne. That's right. <laughs> and also that clash with. Weird. I I used to enjoy watching it. Newsnight Review, BBC Two. So, were you flicking between the two? I don't think you really flick between Newsnight Review. You were doing and some Euro flicking it between. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, Blue Chew. There's your ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send it this way. <laughs> Amazing. Should we talk the news, Dan? Should we talk the uh, the big stuff that's uh, been going on this last week or so? Uh, the, the Moxley podcast is probably the, the only place to, to start. Uh, we're probably last of the party on this. I've listened to a whole load of podcasts talking about it this last week or so. But it is just so such big news. We've got to talk about it. I'm guessing, Joe, you were listening to it with a, with a smile ear to ear. Like Moxley <laughs> basically saying everything us and podcasts like us and fans like us have been saying about WWE, Vince McMahon, the booking policies for years. It was just, it was just music to me. Years I could, I could have listened to and go on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, well, we always spoke about the structure, didn't we, and how it ends with Vince and all the rest of it, and mm. scripted promos, and well, he basically said everything we've been <laughs> sort of saying. <laughs> But he said it with first-hand I reckon, experience. So. I reckon your Vince McMahon impression is still better than his, though. I still think you've got the voice down. Ah, <laughs> thanks, pal. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was fascinating stuff. I was I was absolutely loving it, not going to lie. Beaming from ear to ear. Anything anti-WWE at this point <laughs> is uh, just what I want to hear. You know, what do I get off on hearing things that are anti-WWE, anti-Tory? If you're doing that, I'm going to be listening and my ears are going to be... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, having a good old time, that's for sure. So, yeah, it was great. And I listened to the Way Keller podcast over the weekend as well, mm. where I was. it was fascinating to hear his take on the like the Lesnar feud, which I was really happy to hear about. Mm. Uh, the approach of the Steve Austin podcast as well, which was just weird at the time, I remember. Yeah. And just the whole kind of overproduction of everything that goes on was mm. really interesting because it kind of proved what, we, we've been saying and many other podcasts and people doing podcasts have been saying forever about mm. just the ridiculous overproduction and also you know i've worked in workplaces where people jobs are created so one person can kind of like justify their job existence mm. and it sounds like wwe is an absolute breeding ground for writers trying to justify why their jobs exist basically and yeah sad state of affairs yeah yeah i just thought it was Absolutely incredible. Like here, they, like you said, they're all things that like we know and we talk about, and we kind of you hear third hand through you know 
Dave Meltzer and Wade Keller himself and, you know, different reports. I just thought, yeah, hearing it from the actual horse's mouth and hearing, like, a first hand. Like, the Punk podcast was absolutely awesome as well. And that's, like, the the one thing you can compare it to uh, quite strongly. But I, I did think, while Moxley wasn't as... Uh, venomous jp just the the detail mm. of it and just i don't know maybe because it's a it's current now and he's talking about you know the like joe said the the way that the vince McMahon surrounds himself with with kind of yes men and that the writers aren't necessarily the problem it's just the fact that the even have writers in the first place seems to be the thing that that winds moxley up and again is a talking point we've we've all said over and over again it was just again i, I Although we might have known some of it going in, just hearing it from him was just cathartic, I thought, and just everything that I wanted it to be. I spent that that morning in work, I was supposed to be training somebody, and I basically put it off for an hour just so I could finish the podcast. I was like, oh, I'm just going to do a little bit more paperwork first, and I'd go off and listen until the last hour. It was just, I, I just couldn't, couldn't stop listening at that point. It was incredible, and it was compulsive. And you mentioned about the tone he took, which was a very canny tone of... Like he was burying them, but it was just done in a kind of very much a matter of fact type way. There was no point he was sore. He was ranting. He he had worked like the things that he had said are obviously the things that get reported and then they get filter our way back to us. And what's been infuriating is the kind of hive mind of of, of where you get all of the wrestlers to kind of pitch in and go, no, no, this isn't the case. But you can kind of we've started to see over the last couple of months, like the real cracks in terms of how the talent feel that they are. Mm. And I have to say, and I don't know whether there was the lot, the slow burn effect. If you look at like sort of the index independent contractor piece from, from um, John Oliver, I think that that's kind of tied into the kind of how they're treated as performers. And now Moxley's completed the picture of how the creative is done, which, and I, I kind of wonder those like anyone who feels at this point, you know, sticking up for the way that they do it. I don't like watching an episode of raw is mm. just feels like the most hellish experience that you'd have to do. I can't fake. I can't face to watch clips on YouTube generally. Yeah, I, I, I find them hard work. Do that. And I just, I can't remember that. I think the last time I did it was before WrestleMania. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. But he's laid a template with this. And effectively, how do you get out of this situation? And it feels like prison. Like, that's what he feels like it, it is. And hence, it worked as a theme for the video that he did. That you effectively have to keep very, very quiet. Mm. You have to not really say anything. Give them that bit of notice and just don't say anything mm. at all. And kind of just try and negotiate your way without necessarily pissing people off. And then you get out. Mm. And then once you're out, there is that element of of freedom that said we were spoken about a couple of weeks ago how we didn't really care necessarily for like not being too excited for him for what he does and then it was the big thing well, he's gotten over nothing, in the best way possible with us these last yeah. two weeks has been i've never been as invested in john moxley <laughs> yeah. as i am now yeah oh, i don't I know if i ever will be i love the shields first like mm. what but until the shields split up i was a massive fan and really into what they were doing and all the rest of it but i never thought i'd be this kind of interested in him on the outside as well i just assumed that yeah he'd be there but he'd just be doing his usual shtick to be honest with you but 
yeah, he's definitely chosen the right path, that's for sure. And mm. the path he's gone down, that, uh, the comparison point you said, Benno, the CM Punk podcast, I think the difference with the Punk podcast, as angry as he was, I think it took Punk nine, ten months to get around to doing the podcast for various reasons. Mm. So I think he was still under contract, wasn't he, for a while, and they had to let that sort something out or let it expire. But also, there was nothing in the Ambrose podcast that I heard that he can sue that they can probably sue him for. Mm. Whereas the punk podcast was a major criticism of WWE medical policy mm. and also how beat down he was as well. So it was a bit more of a cathartic rant about how his, he was letting his body recover with the rest of it and how he'd been beaten into submission. Mm. Whereas Ambrose didn't so much go down that tract. And I suppose he has got to sort of cover his back and say he's thankful for certain things because his wife is still working there, yeah. which puts her in an interesting position and well i don't think there's been a tv show that they've filmed since he's done the podcast so let's see how renee young is treated in the next few weeks yeah that's it well to be fair aw delivered a a killer pay-per-view and then we all thought oh yeah maybe they'll react on raw they didn't react on raw it was one of the i believe one of the worst raws of the year but you know not not that i I would myself sit down and put myself through it (laughs) Uh, I can't. My son told me it opened with a 53 minute talking segment. What? One segment? I know, he wasn't 50, yeah, 53 minutes before a match. Oh, I had it was fifty four minutes for a match. Yeah, but sorry, one second. No, I don't think it was one. So I don't, didn't, <sighs> never saw it. Never will. <laughs> sorry, but I did mean to cut you off. Though. Sammy, Sammy Zayn mentioned AEW though, didn't he? I had he mentioned he said something about yeah. AEW in his promo. When they took off the edit, which feels like a transparent thing to kind of generate some sort of heat. But oh, okay, yeah, cool. They're just, they're just yeah. lost, aren't they? It's like it just. I, I've never. There's always negative negativity to me, especially in circles like ours. You know, it's no secret though that you know none of us are fans of the current WWE product. But it feels like I don't know the AW pay per view and now the Moxley interview. Like I don't know if people coming out the woodwork is the right thing to say, but even people who in the past you thought oh, might have been a bit more political, are being a bit more forthright. You know, like a Lance Storm or people like that, or like commentators on wrestling, uh, wrestlers themselves just. You know, retweeting and talking about how bad things are, and WWE is just—it's unfixable. Like, there's no—that's what—that's the impression I got from from the the Moxley interview. That like, it's not going to make a difference. Like, they're not going to—it's not possible to fix that product and change anything. Like, I thought the most illuminating thing for me is on the Way Keller follow up when he was talking about, well, you know, all these old veterans will always say, well, you know, if they, if they're if they're giving you a shitty promo, then go out there and cut your own promo, kid, and get yourself over. And he was like, well, yeah, I could do that. But one, it'd probably get the writer to work will be sacked. And then the next week, they're going to give me an even worse script. And they're going to be, you know, he's going to get a post-it note from Vince McMahon like he got that that time telling, you know, Dean needs to read what's on the copy and Dean shouldn't improvise and Dean needs to yeah. respect what's in, what's in the script. And I thought it was really illuminating from that point of view that, like, we all think from the outside, you know, if only these these wrestlers had a set of balls and would would challenge Vince and would, you know, do would just stand up for themselves. And it sounds like, I know we're only getting Moxie's version of events, it sounds like he did stand up to himself to a point. But then obviously there's only so much that he can do. And that I, I thought it was actually quite commendable that he'd fight the good fight and then when he'd lose, he'd go, okay, fair enough. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Vince is right. Let's try it. And I would always say that, you know, as shitty as a lot of the segments, the shitty Ambrose squirting ketchup and mustard and the terrible build to the Brock match and just the the wacky stuff that you put him with needles getting stuck up his arse and 
all kinds of segments like that. Maybe apart from the needle in his arse one, because I've seen the screen grab and he looks pissed off in that video. Overall, he still put the effort in, didn't he? And it sounds like, again, from his version of events, he's done things entirely the right way. He's someone who should be a big star. And he man still managed to get himself over to a point, but there was only so much he could do. And yeah, unless that... It's it's that thing we always go back to, Joe. Is I think Vince is gonna have to die for anything to change. Like um, Boxley was basically saying, Vince is seventy, his mum's nineteen. She still what she do? Still play tennis or something like that? You know. What? So we prob we probably got twenty more years of Vince. You know, is he, it's not gonna change anytime soon. And you know, as much as people can hope for for Triple H to step into the chair in twenty years, he's gonna be seventy himself. So you know, is that the solution either? I just think that was my overriding feeling coming out of the podcast that there is. There's just, from a creative point of view, they're going to, like Punk said, they'll, Vince McMahon will make money, you know, despite himself. But from a creative point of view, I just don't think there's there's ever really a fix, considering the, the boundaries that are set up there. Yeah, I think you're right. And what I don't understand is it's almost like Vince doesn't understand his own boundaries that he's created at times. Mm. Think about when he was on that Stone Cold podcast. He was like, someone's got to grab the brass ring. It's like, how do you grab it when yeah. like you've made it impossible to do that? Like, mm. you've blocked every possible angle that you could get to that, and you created a structure where that just can't happen. He's essentially created a dictatorship where the WWE brand means more than anyone, any one single person in the company. It's all about the brand. And it almost feels like they don't really want anyone to get over, except for, say, uh, Brock, a uh, Reigns, and look how that's gone, and for Cena and Triple H to say over. Like, Think of the structure of the WWE roster, right? Think about when Triple H steps up or comes onto TV. It's like he's the man still above every single other person on that roster. Kids. He's the grown-up. Yeah. dad. In those Mark photos he takes with the NXT talent, he's two foot tall and he's got his arm around them. He's dad there, the kids at the kids' table. Yeah, and think about Vince when he was wrestling in his fifties, right? Mm. He Vince was taking mad bumps, and he wasn't book he wasn't booking himself strong. He was there playing his role. Mm. Triple H does not. Un Triple H's ego will not allow him to play a role that is appropriate for a fifty-year-old man to mm. play at this stage. And it's a massive shame that he's that insecure that he won't allow himself to do that. But mm. I just can't see how anyone's going to break through this structure until Vince just, I don't know, chokes at a stake one day or something and <laughs> ends up passing away. <laughs> and there's like a stake challenge, like the episode of The Simpsons where that bloke dies after he finishes the stake and Homer can't or whatever. And you can just see him going out with a, I don't know, a big red meat binge or something, can't you? But I, yeah, it, uh, nothing's going to happen. And, I'm not. I don't care about watching WWE anymore, and it's depressing. But at the same time, I know where my loyalties lie. So Big Tone is where I am. Big Tone is for me is the equivalent of Tony Blair in 1997. He's sweeping through the country. Everything's going red. Vince is the equivalent of the Tories. What WWE are? They can fuck off for a bit and go and find their new brand and try and restructure. Triple H, David Cameron, possibly. Who knows? <laughs> Someone else will step up. Did Did either of you guys? Jesus Christ! <laughs> the analogy works. Did, did, Can't argue. I'll, I can I can go along with that. Did either of you watch that Triple H thing that was on after no! Takeover? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, that advert. I was just like, oh, what? No, no. I, I was. I felt. 
two in the morning when I was watching it. I didn't watch it. St- I knew it was on afters, but I saw it the next day. No, but day. I saw the advert, and I was. it drove me to bed. That was the last thing I saw before I went to bed. I was like, I'm watching the rest of the show tomorrow morning because I can't watch any more of this crap. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, watching it, I mean, the whole thing feels like... And this is and this is what your new dictator will look like. And it is a lot of the stuff that you say. It's it's him him doing big group talks with the the NXT roster before the WrestleMania takeover and mm-hmm. him going to this business uh business summit and meeting a kid from Make a Wish and it follows him around for the weekend. And it looks it's a silly schedule. It's like we talked you spoke earlier about having jobs for people who really don't need to necessarily be there. And the kind of bloated creative process that it creates. Mm. He's someone who needs to have, in terms of the jobs that he does, separated by about sort of two or three people, effectively, with him overseeing it. But I think he should retire from wrestling. I, well, where's he got the time to wrestle? Yeah, mm. he should. He should do. I think they tried to lay a hint that might happen next year, and I was like, yeah, like fuck, that's happening. <laughs> um, but I, w- I was going to say that. Um, oh, I've forgotten it now. Well, I was going to say Triple H document. Well, I was going to say on the tra- tree. No, it, wa- it, it, it wasn't that necessary. Well, I'll jump in while while you're thinking, JP. No, go on. Something I was going to say, like on the Triple H point, we're going to talk about takeover a bit later. But like, there was a there was a um, there was a line on the commentary. I can't remember who said it. I think it was Moro. Something along the lines of NXT is the real alternative, and it was like it dawned on me that. I was really, really into it. I, I still think it's a really good product, but I was really into NXT. But it's not the alternative because it, I think that I think the realization I've come to now with these takeovers, as good as they are, at the end of the day, they don't really matter. Like they matter to us within the bubble and the and the, the great shows. I, I don't really watch the weekly TV anymore, but you know they're still delivering. You know, on a consistency level, I don't think any series of pay per views from any company has in years. But I don't feel as excited about it as a brand. I don't feel like, oh, you know, the the world's changing here because mm. no matter how good things are in NXT, once it gets to that that main roster system, everybody mm. fails. And there's only so many times you can take it that a, a Ricochet or an Alistair Black or, you know, Johnny Gargano is going to have it coming for a second time soon. Uh, go up, fail miserably and, you know, all the great work that gets done at, done in NXT just ceases to matter because you go from a system that seems to make sense, you know, a, a very Triple H-run system. Like, I thought Moxley was talked around Triple H, to be honest. He didn't really say anything negative about mm-hmm. Triple H. He didn't seem massively, massively positive, but he seemed confident enough that, you know, Triple H would be a better direction than Vince. But, yeah, I just thought it's it, it just, it's interesting that, like, yeah, we NXT was, and it still is very hot with, a you know, a big portion of wrestling fans. But for me personally, I don't get as excited about it anymore because I just don't think it matters. Because no matter how good they do things down there, that it's all going to get swashed by that that world and that you know, those walls that the Vince McMahon has built around them on that main roster that, that kills off so many people like Amoxley. Couple of points to make on that. So the guys going up, yeah, they aren't going to get anywhere. And at the end of the day, let's have a look at those guys. Who is an alpha male who's gone mm. up from NXT? Maybe Lars Sullivan. <laughs> mm. Think about his past. He's mm. going to get a push still because he's big and he's an alpha and he likes bodybuilding. <laughs> and he used to post comments, not good comments, on bodybuilding forums, mm. right? 
so we can probably have a conversation with Vince about creatine or something. <laughs> Whereas, is he going to want to have a I'm conversation with Matt Riddle about I don't know the best what the I don't know the best bong on the market, for example? <laughs> Not going to happen, is it? At the end of the day, Ricochet, Gargano, are they alpha males? No. Just look at the name of the company Vince set up for the XFL to pay all that money into Alpha. Alpha Entertainment. It says it all. Like, his obsession with red meat, alpha fucking entertainment. Unless you're some mad alpha male, like a brock, you are not getting anywhere at the end of the day. And how many proper alpha males get into wrestling these days? This is the geek era wrestling. This is the generation of wrestlers who were like us growing up at the Mm. end of the day. I don't care for any alpha males. I'm certainly not an alpha male. You're not. No. I don't think Benno is. So, nah. yeah, none of us are going to get anywhere in WWE if we ever signed up. And none of these guys are at the end of the day because the man at the top cannot see himself in any of the talent coming through. And think mm. about that kind of um, tradition of bookers often seeing, often pushing guys who resemble themselves or what they see themselves as. Think of Bill Watts pushing the ex-football players mm. or the great sportsmen the great athletes for example it's another prime example of it i just no one's going to break through no one it's it's a bleak depressing situation and yeah the man needs to well something needs to happen well the only t- only way i think that come this was the point i was going to raise um earlier on the i think the only way is and i've kind of said it a few times is if this current state of kind of creative inertia carries on and the fact that they're hemorrhaging viewers and when they go on to Fox, and there might be a big initial buzz from that, when the kind of reality sets in mm. of what weekly Vince McMahon network television programming is like, and the ratings start to tank, and there's a get out from Fox, and all of a sudden WWE look like a like a property that will, you can imagine what can happen to the stock. And I know this might be talking about a year off, but... You, we, when watching WCW, and this is always the thing I end up reminding, I'm not saying it's going to end up the same way, but even in their best business year, which was, what, 98? You could see all the flaws in the product on there. Looking at the money in terms of the sh- in terms of that particular year isn't necessarily the way to go. I think, there's, I, I think they're in danger if they allow this to carry on, the kind of nonsensical booking with no direction that's changed on the fly during the fucking shows mm. that's effectively there to entertain one lunatic <laughs> who even if he went the lunatic and, friend and sorry even if he retired tomorrow i don't have faith that they would change the actual structure in which in which it exists i don't necessarily i think there would be pushback from a lot of areas whether that's kevin dunn whether it's stephanie mcmahon okay. they'll be like changing the way that they actually create television and i think that's the fundamental point for wwe what they view the main roster as being is something I don't see them changing. And it would take like a dramatic fall of fortunes um, for that to happen. And I also think they're kind of misreading the zeitgeist and with, you know, mention about things about AEW and, and the way that the world has changed. If you look at popular culture and entertainment, it would have seemed crazy 20 years ago that superhero films would be the biggest films in the world. But here we are. And it's the idea, again, to speak about geek culture kind of pushing through. And this is something they completely miss. Mm. And so there's this kind of evolution in that younger audience who look at this company. They, they're able to, to kind of look online, see all the horrible things about them. The fact they're doing another fucking show in Saudi Arabia at the end of this week. 
um, they're going to be getting, what, $50 million for without a care in the world of, of you know, whether it's armed sales um, killing Yemenis villagers, for God's sakes. Like, they've got no sense of morality as well at the centre of it. So not only is it creatively shite, there's no, like, they act like bad bastards as well at the same time. The promos about Roman yeah. Reigns' cancer fits into that category. That's good shit, pal. What a fucking prick. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. Oh. Did you see Meltzer's line about Saudi Arabia this week? No. Uh... This was WWE's unique, unique Super Showdown card in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, is a show of a unique dream match from 20 years ago, a grudge match from 15 years ago, in a country outdated by about 100 years. <laughs> Brilliant. Hell? Yeah. It's going to, going head to head with Eve's Super Shedown. I think even you, Joe, would you be tempted to watch Eve over uh, over that pile of shite? Oh, don't put me in this position. <laughs> <laughs> Goldberg or Eve? Far left versus far right. Goldberg. <laughs> how, many, how many? How many? I'd sooner watch Eve. How many more times are going to see Goldberg? I'm not going to watch either. Mm. Yeah. But it is Goldberg. And if I watch anything, I will watch the Goldberg Undertaker match illegally. <laughs> there you go. You're yeah. not supporting them at least. Uh, no, absolutely not. I considered that I got a email about 99p for two oh. months and thought, no way, not I, for the Saudi show. Not I, for the Saudi show. I, I thought I wasn't subscribed to the network, so I illegally streamed NXT UK this week, illegally streamed, streamed TakeOver at the weekend, and t- today on my PayPal, 9.99 came out for the network, and I was like, oh, fuck, I unsubscribed. Oh. <laughs> Same thing happened with Riptide as well. I'd forgotten to unsubscribe from there, but I don't mind those guys. No. Uh, WWE was just supposed to be a free trial last month, that I forgot about it. Um, but yeah, it's just like... Yeah, I, I, that that show next week. I'm not. I'm. I'm just not going to be watching it. Like I just don't. I'll be interested to follow it as a news story. Uh, I think it'd be interesting. You know what they do, and you know I am. Same thing. Yeah, if you know Goldberg runs through Undertaker in in two minutes, uh, I'd like to see it just for the novelty factor of it. But yeah, I'd find it hard to to sit through that thing. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a, a company that's just bereft of of morals or sense or. Or any kind of guidance right now, and that yeah, that was all very much underlined by that Moxley interview. I don't know if you've got it. Much more on the other podcast themselves. Nothing I can think of. I think it's been covered kind of to death at this point, hasn't it? Uh, mm. But if you get a chance, you're not listening to it. Listen to the Wade Keller interviews as well, because mm. uh, there's some really good stuff in those interviews, and you get a little bit more depth as to various goings on. Mm. And the stuff about the Lesnar feud, I thought, was fascinating. Mm, yeah me too i thought that was really interesting i did think as well like it was interesting hearing that he recorded his comeback video in february uh, and nick mondo was the man behind the video which is brilliant like of, of all people uh i thought it was interesting as well that he watches impact and he watches big japan uh he's been watching <laughs> keeping up with uh with things going outside of wwe uh so yeah there's Obviously, uh, he's, uh, I don't know, Moxley's had his eye on this uh, for a while, what he's going to be doing outside. Uh, and it just says everything that, yeah, he, you know, when he imagined when he imagined himself doing cool things, he knew it was going to happen in WWE. So he's picturing it happening in CZW and places like that and Big Japan and wherever he ends up. Do you see him doing the G1? Do you think that's likely? That's uh, He's definitely it. in it. I think he's doing it. Do you reckon because yeah, of I the dates he's... and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was kind of, when Wade Keller sort of, mentioned doing more new japan dates he was sort of like oh, i can't mm. say anything yet 
No comment. Yeah. So we'll f- that, I think that's this week, isn't it? These facing Juice Robinson. So, Wednesday. Yeah. yeah Wednesday. So Dominion, I'm sure they'll announce the G1 lineup. That's what they usually do, isn't it? So, yep. Yeah. We'll know by recording time next week. Would you make of it being the knife pervert? I thought that kind of. Uh, I, I, I think I, I jokingly made one remark where I thought no one is considering it could be Moxley seriously. Uh, it was never going to be Chris Brooks. Uh, probably shouldn't have been a huge surprise it was him. I, thought, I suppose it was just the timing of it, and none of us really expected um, that Batsudi be going into New Japan. But definitely the the best possible out, possible outcome, and it didn't turn out to be a Brit. What I did notice on Chris Brooks' jacket yesterday at the cockpit, he's got a, a British flag stitched onto his jacket now. Which is kind of funny. Good lad. Yeah, yeah He played off at well yeah. with that DDT video as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It does make me wonder, because I was convinced it was going to be Oka. Where's Oka then in that case? Mm. And can MK McKinnon get that win so one of you two can <laughs> eat my dead man ink hat? Well, where's MK McKinnon as well? He's not been yeah. around in a while. But perhaps uh, the great Okan's gone the way your man Kitamura. Perhaps he's joined in with the land of tits. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> if you look at his Instagram feed, it's, it's, it's muscle and boobs. That's 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 where his head is very much at. He'd love men and motors in the day. Yeah, he would have loved men and motors. <laughs> Wouldn't have understood it. But there you go. Maybe he's signed um, an NXT UK deal. Maybe that's why he's disappeared. Uh, like the likes, like that, like all like some A Kid and uh, people like that. Maybe that's the uh, that's the reason he's. Has A Kid signed that yeah, deal? Apparently, uh, Meltzer reported it in the Observer this week. Uh, I I just assumed because, like I said earlier, I watched uh, the TV this week to to cover it on BWE. We were talking about it and assuming that they were just there as enhancement talent because they got squashed in pretty pretty quick order. But apparently they've signed. And I, I did on Air Quilden's podcast last week, he made like an off comment, something about, you know, yeah, you get behind someone like an A-Kid and then WDB can just sign them and then all the build you've put behind them falls apart. Uh, I think it all fits mm. together, yeah. I think that's uh, that's what Meltzer's reporting now anyway, that he's been signed. Because they won yesterday, the cockpit, and he got the submission on Chapman as well. Because I was thinking when that... I was thinking, oh, if he's signed, mm. this is Chapman and McGee going over. But no, it was pretty convincing, clean victory as well. So interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, do you want to talk about the uh, the NXT UK stuff, the uh, the takeover and all that stuff? Or do you want to talk hmm. about, Or do we want to do the clean-up on Double or Nothing? Uh, I'll leave it up to you guys. Ah, go for the takeover, why not? Yeah, then we can but, go on to nothing. Yeah, might as well. Uh, we've, we've kind of all AEW'd out last week. Yeah, this is another one that uh, might get your eye going, Joe. I enjoyed this. The uh, the massive coincidence that uh, NXT UK have announced that they're going to be uh, doing a takeover in Cardiff uh, happens to be on the on the same date as uh, New Japan Royal Quest uh, happening in London that same day. Also the same day as uh, All Elite Wrestling's All Out show. I suppose there's your tie in there. Uh Incredible! Like, uh, I, I, I can't take anyone seriously who tries to pretend like this is this is a coincidence that Royal Quest was announced in January. Triple H said that, oh yeah, we 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 had this date since uh, since before WrestleMania. If you believe reports, it was in March. Uh, just an incredible story. The the confidence of of the false confidence of WWE thinking, oh yeah, we'll put. We'll squash these uh, these New Japan guys trying to run their Royal Quest show in the in the UK, trying to move into this uh, territory that we're on, and that they're that what we're going to do is we're going to run NXT UK. You know that brand that's just just so hot, and we'll run it, and it'll be head to head with Wales versus Ireland. It'll be on the same day as as All Out happening, where the the news cycle is just going to be dominated by All Out. Just like the 
I don't know if it's confidence, whether it's just arrogance or complete ignorance. I could I could believe the ignorance on the Wales Island game, JP. Maybe, you know, the the, the, the people behind NXT mm. UK have got form for not knowing when big sporting events are going on. Um, World Cup being a big one. Uh, yeah, just a absolutely incredible story. And yeah, I just... I don't know. Any doubt in either of your mind that this is a, a very, very purposeful de- decision from the WWE? <laughs> Come on, you're asking the wrong people there. <laughs> I thought JP might play you devil's advocate. <laughs> oh, I think it's absolutely hilarious, to oh, be honest. Brilliant. Yeah. And you know what? I'll make no bones about it. I want the UK industry to do well. Fuck NXT UK. I hope this, I hope this looks like a damp squib, honestly. Uh, I hope they get no one there. Um, I, why would anyone travel to this number one uh, you got a great mm-hmm. New Japan show going on in London that day as well 6,000 tickets sold about another 1,000 to go so you know have a look at that if you haven't got one yet definitely spend a day in East London rather than Cardiff much better city much better area London I as like well. Cardiff though. Cardiff's alright I don't Cardiff's mind nice Cardiff place. but you know my memories of Cardiff are never that great seeing Saints lose in the FA Cup final in 2000 oh, at the Millennium enough. Stadium Against Arsenal, you know. Yeah, that was a damn school of a day. It was a good day out. But at the same time, yeah, just absolutely hilarious. I got the double hit of the Triple H advert and the uh, announcement of this before I went to bed and was just like, (laughs) (laughs) like, absolutely hilarious. Like one leading into the other. Like just absolutely (laughs) transparent WWE bullshit in two different adverts with two different aims, essentially. Uh, Yeah, I just, NXT UK, this is placeholder wrestling is putting a placeholder show in place to try and rival the other company that have planned a show into their tightly uh, kind of constructed schedule mm. and these guys have just gone well we better run a rival show for our placeholder company to have its place in the market to try and rival this because you don't want anyone getting into this market and it's just it's just hilarious because I just can't see it. I can't see it drawing. I really hope it doesn't do any more than about 2,000. So they're talking, I mean, the big talk is there's two arenas, which is one is St. David's and it holds about two, but I've heard reports that it doesn't feel like it's the kind of thing that's fit for TV. And the Motor Point Arena, yeah, which seems yeah. a bit more likely that holds around mm. six, which you normally would think would be a really good number. Um, there are also 364 other days of the year that you can... <laughs> I'm going to throw that in there. It's like somehow it's sacrosanct. It's got to be August 31st. Mm. It just has to be that. <laughs> but there's there's two other shows going on at that time. I mean, and obviously, I think the idea they're thinking is that, that, that between this it was to siphon off fans and possibly interest from watching the New Japan show and also perhaps wear out fans before All Out that maybe they don't want to engage with more wrestling oh, afterwards. No, it's more I, of a lead-in, isn't it? That's not going to work if that's a plan. I'm not saying they're not stupid enough to think. I don't know. Like, I'd like, say putting on a three-hour show, it is very much the support. But I think in their minds, they kind of think we need to have a presence that day. Mm. And then and, and that's and that's part of it. It's like you can't have a day of wrestling like this going on and then, wait, this is their thing every all money that is spent on wrestling, they're basically the idea is it should belong to them fundamentally. And they think they can charge and they think they're going to be able to do this big number. They've made this announcement. I hope to Christ the story is true about them oh. trying to underestimate the yeah. New Japan this, ticket sales. This was Super J Cast, wasn't it? They reported the that podcast yeah. said that uh, their sources were saying that 
they had like a they had a spy in the in the royal quest like the ticket off the ticket agency selling tickets and so that new japan had only sold two thousand tickets through that agency so jumped on the date and then you know it later turned out that yeah there's a second agency selling tickets and they've sold five thousand plus tickets too perfect a story i hope it's true i'm not a hundred percent on it being true um, it reminds me of that TNA story. Do you remember in their early years where they had the guy who was working for them who gave them dodgy buy rate numbers? Oh, so they thought yeah, they were doing yeah. better than what they were yeah, and they yeah. were losing fortune. <laughs> the spy, if that spy is true, I hope he's a double agent and I hope he was doing <laughs> to fuck him over. Yeah. Oh, that's it. And it's just like, just a, again, the lack of awareness to like, I don't know a lot about rugby. But, like, if I'm going to run a show somewhere, you, you're at least going to check because, like, I know people who are. Uh, I don't know why, but you know, I, I do know why people are people are fans of NXT UK for whatever reason. But thinking of going to that takeover, I looked into hotels and it was a hundred pound a night because of the rugby going on that yeah. day. Because uh, I, I don't know, JP, you, if you were there, what would you go to NXT UK or would you go uh, to rugby? Wales, Ireland, and the reasons for this is that it's a World Cup year, which, yeah. funny enough, is in time with AEW in terms of the cross promotion stuff they'll do for their TV program as well. But I won't go into that. But this, but this match is like you've got the Grand Slam winners in Wales mm. versus Ireland, who've been on a really incredible run over several years playing each other the irish fans travel so you're gonna get and if you are you know there's a real obviously around wales a massive buzz around the rugby team itself so you're gonna get people who are just even if they're casually interested this is what they're gonna want to watch they're gonna want to probably have a session afterwards and a bit of a sing song and all the rest of it do you really think they're gonna want to go oh we'll go to the motor point arena (laughs) and watch Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne, probably. Or watch, I don't know, Eddie Dennis or Flash Morgan Webster. Some oh, it's, it's some good for them. boys. I think they'd want to be watching the rugby, frankly, <laughs> as much as anything else. They'd want to be watching it. But it's, yeah, it's crazy they haven't checked for that. And God knows, this is the other thing, is they're going to be, it's, if it's August 31st and it's a Saturday, there's going to be football on. Mm. Yeah. Like, how the hell's that going to work? Now, you know, if if Cardiff are playing, I don't. I wouldn't think Cardiff are playing at home that day. But you know, there are going to be people travelling all around all around the country. It doesn't necessarily make this stuff easy to get to. Just get Neil Warnock in for the night as the guest GM with Johnny Saint or something. I'd be up to seeing that. That would get me watching. <laughs> all right, Johnny. sorry. <laughs> that would be a draw. Like you couldn't pay me to go to an NXT UK show. You really couldn't. Uh, I know. Uh, one of your sometimes uh, post-wrestling uh, partners, Will Coolin, was saying to me, Benno, mm. that he had tickets for NXT UK in Coventry for two nights. And he went to the first night and didn't bother going back for the second one because the show was so bad. Mm. And that's... I, I get that completely. I cannot watch that NXT UK show. The last thing I watched from NXT UK was the TakeOver show. It was hilarious in many ways. Mm. And... It's just not a hot brand. There's no buzz around it. Like I said, you could not pay me to go and watch one of those shows. And it's a shame because there are a lot of wrestlers in NXT UK that I'm a fan of and who I don't see anymore because they've mm. gone to the place where wrestlers go to die in the <laughs> life of Joe Lemon. Yeah. It is, it's the most tepid TV product like in the world. It's just... It, uh, I, like they can throw on, you know, Jordan Devlin and Walter, and it it couldn't matter any less, and it couldn't have any less buzz. They had the the rematch of Pete Dunne and Walter this week, and it was fine. It was a solid TV match, but like, could did, does anyone really care? No, and 
I mean, I guess another takeover is, is somewhat the solution to that to make things a little bit more interesting. I know there were people who raved about that last takeover. I didn't see it myself, and neither did you, Joe, to the uh, to the anger of the post wrestling forum. But you know, just like there are fans out there, but yeah, I don't think there's enough to for it to draw. Even like if if the majority of the hardcore bubble in this country are over are over watching New Japan, and you know. There is a bit of, I think, one slight positive out of this is a bit, a bit of a pressure to... I think New Japan were going to treat this seriously anyway, this Royal Quest show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it, it will have to be a very... You know, the, I think they'll have to take the, the card even more seriously now. But I don't think many of the... If it's 6,000 people who've bought tickets are going to be selling the tickets to go to a takeover in Wales, especially at the prices of hotels in that, in that area now because of the rugby. And I, I honestly think that they're going to get embarrassed all in all by all this this is a nxt uk only exists because itv world of sport tried to exist they only move when people try and move in on the uk and trips gets mm-hmm. a bit jealous and they and they, and they uh, they strike out in ways like this but this one just seems so poorly thought out there i could believe why would you go yeah exactly Sorry, why would you go? no true I, I could i could believe it being an okay car but why would you go like why i just don't i think they're going to get embarrassed on the day and i think it's going to be a thousand people watching this wwe show at most and it's going to be five to six thousand and probably more watching new japan in the copper box why would you go to this wwe show to watch guys who you can pay 15 pound to see or could pay 15 pound to see just a few months before Ooh, in uk promotions where you can go and see a carder Ibushi in a singles match, apparently, from what's been rumoured. Tanahashi in front of 6,000 people. Like, it's just mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing that you would consider it. You can, can see... You could see our best two wrestlers that we've created in this country and Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. And if they're facing off against one another as well, which it looks like it might be building to, imagine that in front of 6,000. Then imagine Walter versus Travis Banks. I like both wrestlers. I really do. We saw that at where? Alexandra Palace. Remember yep. what that was like? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's just, come on. <laughs> it just makes no sense to me that anyone would have any interest. I've, I've seen graveyards more lively than NXT uk seriously yeah. <laughs> i i've watched i've watched nxt uk for several weeks and i'm, I'm probably you know i know benno you you end up watching a lot a lot more than we do i i'm not engaged with any storylines and i don't know whether or not it's just the way that wwe television is presented to me that it's just sort of washing over me at this point mm. but when you say tepid it's what it it's what i think of i don't think of this is this really cool story. I'm enjoying where this is going. It's the same tropes of authority figures and sort of generic heel stables with promos being delivered in the same way with matches between wrestlers. You see, do a lot more kind of interesting stuff that is, you know, j- just feels different. And you've seen it, you know, close up with your own eyes. And here you are watching it of sort of anodyne version of that. Mm. And that's, and, and that, kind of doesn't make me feel happy and this isn't and the way i'm thinking of this is and this is the thing i'm 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 not a wrestler obviously Mm. i'm a fan this isn't something i'm doing for a full-time living so i'm gonna watch the things that effectively i am gonna be entertained by and i just find funny enough it's not that it's it's absolutely terrible it's kind of really bland and that's in some ways kind of worse. To be there is, bland is terrible. To be bland is terrible. I've, I've, but in some ways, I watch AAA, bringing in a AAA reference each week. I'm safe in the knowledge I'm going to be watching a 
good 50% of shite through that. But I know it's going to be just wacky shit where I just shake my head at most of it. I'm still kind of compelled in a car crash way. I find with NXT UK, I feel like falling asleep. Yeah, it's the difference between watching a really dull film that has no nothing going on and is just absolutely crap and watching a Rise of the Foot Soldier, a football factory, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. You can just laugh at those films. Yeah, it'd be like watching they, The Piano and just putting your head in your hands going like, why am I doing this? Harvey Keitel. If you ask me if I want to watch, I don't know, uh, yeah, The Piano with Harvey Keitel and Holly Hunter... Or do I want to watch Kaz about Kaz Pennant? I'm probably going to say, yeah, stick the stick the film about the West Ham hooligan on. I suppose that's going to you be at what? least... As far as those films go, that is actually quite good. It's not like laugh a minute, lol, geezer shit. Like, no. That's actually an all right film. Okay. So well, Cockneys vs. Zombies, definitely. That's, that's a great film. We had, we had a request to do a full review of Cockneys vs. Zombies. Maybe, maybe that's what we should be talking about instead of NXT UK. I will absolutely rewatch Cockneys vs. Zombies. I've been meaning to for a few years. So if you fancy it sometime, uh, I'm up for if it. there's a demand for it, <laughs> I'll watch it again. It's got Bricktop from uh, Snatching as the main guy. I hate Snatch, awful film, but yeah, he's all right in it. Alan Ford. <laughs> anyway. That's the real stuff. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I suppose I'll, I'll close the NXT UK stuff by just like kind of like, again, reiterating that the. I was I was driven a bit mad by this. Like there are people out there who are desperate for a job with WWE. I understand why you would be desperate for a, for if you're working in the Indies and you want a job with WWE. Mm-hmm. Trying, to, trying to defend this and talking about oh you know you know WWE uh, they probably they probably you know they 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 plan these venues out you know maybe even a year in advance because that's what we do you know at the local level sometimes. So this is all a coincidence. And who I'll, the fuck's defending this? Ah, mate, there's always going to be people defending it. There's always going to be apologists. And like for me, it's like it's so clearly not. It's so clearly not a planned out thing or a thought out thing. Over you know it. it for me. If you were planning this out and your great plan was to, to be peaking a takeover here, you wouldn't have your... It's not the final tapings going into it, but the second to last tapings going into it, into this takeover, mm. happening at a download festival in you know in front of a load of pissed up goths in a tent, is the way I put it. And Martin Bush. That's the taping? Uh, yeah. Part of the taping. So they've got, oh they've got two weeks of Plymouth, God. I think, to fit in. Martin's going. But, he said yeah. he's going to watch it, didn't he? Like, I mean, could, could you really see... Are they going to be peeking over these great stories going in? I think Adam Cole's around, which bleeds into that rumour of... You know, even Pete Dunne's a relatively big match that you can do. But it just says everything about, yeah, they, they, they don't really have plans for this brand. They just react when other people react. And yeah, I just, those kind of apologists just hold no water with me. Well, here's, if you want to kind of, you know, almost like to kind of put a, a, a full stop on this. Are they running on August the 31st in Cardiff? Are they running this show because they want to promote NXT UK? Or is it about hurting others and hurting other rivals? That's that's effectively what why does this show have to exist does it have to exist in that day like you know in a city where they've got the major so they haven't even kind of looked into it as much as anything else i know that there, there is a plymouth date that is booked as well mm. but surely you'd look around is that right is there a plymouth date yeah, booked? yeah there's one in between yeah there is that i thought it was a, it would have been even better if the go home was really a, <laughs> in a tent but no apparently not there is oh, there is some to bring some their, their go home is going to be download, whereas the go home for Royal Crest is going to be G one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> come on, totally yeah. Difference, don't um, but yeah, that kind of puts. Uh, I suppose we'll, we'll talk a little bit of NXT a bit later. But 
one other thing I wanted to mention as well is a bit of breaking news as we're uh, as a podcast in here. We're going to do a, a very quick wrap up on a couple of things, double or nothing, that came out after our last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, got reported that I don't know. I question sometimes how Meltzer pulls these numbers out, but I, but I trust him. He's got years of form. Uh, but he says that they they sold ninety eight thousand uh, pay per views for double or nothing worldwide. Uh, the most. Apparently two-thirds from the US, and uh, I think the UK was the second most. Uh, the most pay-per-views that anyone outside of WWE or WCW have done, apart from, I think there was one ECW show uh, that did 99,000, which is probably going to get outdrawn by by the time, you know, replay buys come in and stuff. You know, Impact in 16-odd years, never got near those numbers. Ring of Honor, obviously, never got near those numbers. Uh it's hard to tell. How many times did ECW get near it? Apparently once, once just the once, yeah, just the once. I don't know. Was it fairly legal actually. as well? That would make sense, oh. yeah. I'd have to look that up, but it's genuinely, genuinely impressive. Uh, sometimes Meltzer's math can be a bit off. Like he, he keeps going on about the fact that he thought that uh, the double or nothing could have sold 40,000 tickets on the first day, just based on the on the number of people who were in the queue on the website. Not really factoring in it. There were probably oh, people with multiple accounts. And, you know, if, you got, if you're trying to buy tickets for three of your mates for an event like that, all three of you are probably going to be sitting online. Uh, but I believe him on this, like 100,000. It's genuinely, genuinely impressive. And, you know, bigger than the range that I thought. And yeah, I think uh, you guys uh, noted too before we came on, there's some news about uh, how uh, the pre-show did in the UK as well. Yeah, so um, we found, I mean, heard about that it didn't reach the top 10 for the week on ITV4. This information is available on Thinkbox as mm-hmm. well. They do kind of much more up, up to date. So the actual final rating for All Elite on ITV4 is 74,000. And this is the pre-show, is it? This is this is the buy-in pre-show. Mm. Yeah, it did. For those of you who are curious, Conan the Destroyer, uh, uh, which was four places above it, which was on before, did eighty-three thousand. So if you're talking <laughs> about audience retention, going into kind of midnight, that's, that's still quite good. Fifty-seven thousand watched it live, mm. with seventeen thousand kind of watching on on VOD later on. At that point in time, it, it's one point nine percent of the market. Which actually is quite a lot for a really niche for a niche channel like this. I think we had said when when me and Joe had done the show. I don't know if that was the week that that you were away. That possibly you're looking at what fifteen thousand buys would be a would be a yeah, start, yeah. and over fifty thousand in terms of viewing, considering the time of night and the kind of competition of stuff out there. So while you know the thing you got to remember is this is midnight on a saturday when it's on which isn't traditionally sort of great television viewing a lot of the time mm. that's still a I, I think that's a decent start i won't go completely berserk yeah. about it it's a decent start i think it's solid and it shows that there's a first for alternative wrestling coverage in this country yeah. as well one thing i was curious about uh, what did a uh, death wish five that was on after the pre-show draw <laughs> what did that get yeah death wish five is the faith of face of death that did fifty five thousand afterwards. Okay, so four point one percent of uh, people watching television were watching Death Wish Five. But I reckon that uh, well, forty six. So that's by a difference of about ten thousand watching live. I reckon that ten thousand buggered off and bought the pay per view. No, I'd say yeah. <laughs> Be nice to think so. I'm not sure why you would after that pre show if you're not a fan of that or why you're buy it anyway. But yeah, interesting statistic. Deathwish Five, never seen it, never will. Uh, I was going to say as well on that. 
if once it's rounded up to 100,000, once the rest of the buys come in, six figures for a first pay-per-view, that's a hell of an achievement. Yeah. I think the highest pay-per-view number Bellator has done in the US 100, was 100,000. Was that for the, it was for a Kimbo Slice fight? It was it? the MSG show. Was it really? I can't, what was the fight? Was it? Um, I want to say it was Tito Ortiz. And was it the Tito Ortiz and uh, Shel Sonnen one? It doesn't matter, does it, at the end of the day? Yeah. But still, six figures for your first pay-per-view. Without TV, Mm. like, that's really Mm. interesting as well. And like you say, TNA was drawing a million, at least a million viewers a week for Mm. the longest time, wasn't it? Came nowhere near this at any point. So, yeah, cracking a cheese. That was having Joe versus Angle for the first time, wasn't it? It speaks to the excitement of the product and the excitement within a bubble Mm. that uh, surrounds it as well, that... Mm. Wanted to buy the show, wanted to see the show, and I'm glad it's done well. Also, one thing that's never really mentioned, imagine how many people probably watch this illegally the next day on streaming sites and on torrents <laughs> as well. Yeah. There's a lot of awareness out there for this project, I think, and if that translates into better live sales as well, that's exciting times ahead, I'm hoping. Yeah, they would. I believe on the night of the pay per view, they were really cracking down on illegal streams. I've I read about a few getting uh, shut down. Well, yeah, it's definitely available on VOD since, and there's plenty of people, especially in the US, who will have balked at the at the price, but will watch a weekly TV show. Uh, it's definitely promising. All in all, I think there's definitely uh, lots of positive in those numbers. Like you look at that. I know you know we're UK based, so we will talk things from a from a UK slam. Mm. But just looking at that that buy-in number, I know it's not amazing, but it's you know around what the other shows and that hour we're doing. It's you know a, a touch stronger than than what Raw's doing. I think the Raw Raw like the last number I saw was like seventy odd thousand. Uh, the last few weeks that it's been doing or live on Sky around the same time, I suppose uh, that's a, maybe a bit more of an achievement. That you know the the lesser amount of homes that Sky Sports gets to, but once they've got a mm. really, uh, TV product going and this can translate to to more people than just inside the bubble and they put on better quality shows than they did with that you know rotten buy-in show, uh, then yeah, there's a uh, definitely definitely uh, plenty to be positive about there. Point I wanted to make as well is one thing I really hope they do, and I'm going to loop this back around to WWE and the BT deal that's been announced. Mm. I really hope that All Elite um, manage to find a place for their TV show on ITV first of all, mm. maybe broadcast it live, but also maybe do a repeat viewing or a kind of condensed version on maybe a Saturday or a Sunday morning. Because mm. I think one thing WWE are really going to miss with this move to BT, I think they've really underestimated the amount of younger viewers who come to wwe and find wwe via sky one and the wwe program is on sky one because it's interesting you just mentioned that live raw number benno is seventy four thousand. because i was having a look at wwe numbers on sky one and the last number that uh raw did on sky one that i could find on the 26th of which is last sunday this is an hour version of Raw on a Sunday morning. It did 82,000 live viewers, mm. 131,000 viewers overall. So it's still getting a number when it's on Sky One, a reasonable number. And that was 2.6% share of the audience at the time. And I think WWE have really under- underestimated maybe how valuable having Sky One, because it comes with lots of basic Sky packages, mm. kind of is to creating new fans in the UK mm. and bringing people to the product in the UK. Whereas when they go to BT, they are not going to have that luxury. Like I was looking at average ratings for BT Sport compared to Sky One as well. 
And BT Sport has a reach of BT Sport One has a reach of two hundred and eighty thousand. BT Sport Two has a reach of one hundred and twenty thousand. Now you think of BT Sport Two, that Raw on Sky One at eleven a.m. on a Sunday drew more viewers than <laughs> BT Sport, which is kind of fascinating to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, that's it. We all kind of. We look at WWE on Sky and think of it as being inaccessible, but you're right. We always think about it in those Sky Sports terms, don't we? That there's a mm. there's a limit. Sky One's obviously available in a lot more households, and there is no BT equivalent to that, is there? There's no there's nowhere for for those young, especially young, new fans to be made uh, in a BT. I know they can exactly you can throw it on YouTube and for just... free, like they tried with the Champions League final, with a the stream didn't go well. There was lots of ghosting on the screen and lots of uh, issues with that. But other than that. What can BT do really to to put WWE on a platform that's actually viewable by the majority of the country? Well, I think the thing is as well, I just look at Sky One's reach, 1.62 million. So kind of speaks volumes there. But I think WWE need to try and make a deal with a a mainstream TV platform as well. They need to try and get maybe an hour on Channel 5 or something on a Sunday morning Mm. uh, Mm. just to get that kind of, casual fan again and i think this is a real opportunity if all elite take this seriously to say right fans are made in the uk a lot of the time younger fans by getting that product on in the mornings now at wwe is not going to be on in that slot on sky sports on a weekend in the morning Mm. oh sorry not sky sports on sky one let's see if we can put something on itv4 as a repeat broadcast to try and get some new fans in i can try and take the market here potentially i hope so Mm. Yeah, the the the, the goal it, the goal's wide open for that to happen. It's open here to an extent. It's open in the US, but you know Canada apparently there's a a decent deal on the table for AEW as well. Uh, internationally, that's again that's always where you know Impact had certain points where they they were you know very popular. You know not just with JP, you know with the with <laughs> with, with an audience as well, especially a hardcore audience. The like you know the a European audience. Uh, and I think AEW would be really smart in, in from the get go targeting us, doing the obvious things like, you know, a big thing that that Ambrose podcast we talked at the, the top of the hour, and a big thing I've heard kind of people say is that like there is no goodwill towards WWE anymore. If anything, they've fostered bad will from their fans towards <clears> them. And what AEW are doing really well is fostering goodwill, you know, being a fan service promotion, uh, but also setting them up in themselves up in a way where yeah, people people want to see them succeed and they they want to see things work out for AEW and, and I do want to get behind them and doing things like fan service things like how many times have WWE and Triple H talked around oh yeah we'll come back we'll do another SummerSlam in the UK oh it'll happen you know at some point one day and it never happens AEW it wouldn't surprise me if after all out their next pay-per-view after that's in the UK or even if they do one of their smaller shows in the UK Big Tone's got his head screwed on he sees the this market is ripe for opportunity not just the UK but but Europe in general, and the, and they're getting in on the ground floor. Yeah, and he's you know if one of the things that's going to be interesting to sort of throwing out. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens with Rev Pro mm. in this next year, and whether or not there is any kind of relationship that's going to be cultivated sort of between the two. I think so. I think it's kind of a win-win. Really, I think New Japan are going to play a pivotal role in that as well. Though. They will. I get the impression with Tony Khan being at the shows mm. um, with various sort of the use of various talent as well. Let's just say that 
I think they want to do something together. Mm. But I think New Japan are going to be the deciding factor in that at the moment. But well, yeah. hopefully, Bully Ray has somehow ruined Ring of Honor. Have you heard about this story? I saw it. <laughs> Did you hear about that, Benno? I, I mean, I think people. This is the story, like that fan saying he got dragged backstage to get shouted at by Bully Ray. I'll be honest; I'll take any opportunity to give Bully Ray grief, but I do think yeah. people are taking that fan's word at face value far too much. Uh, he mm-hmm. said something along the lines of he, he had to go at one like the women, and he said something about uh, what's the name of Velvet Sky, fucking Bully Ray, or something like that. And I was like, yeah, they're the things he admitted publicly that he said. I wonder what else he said. I, I don't think it justifies Bully Ray, you know, <coughs> dragging him backstage and allegedly intimidating him. But I don't know how much, how seriously I take uh, one fan's version of events. But maybe I'm in the minority there. Well, in some ways, what I was reminded of was that fan when Eric Cantona dived into the crowd at Crystal Palace. Mm. And he said, apparently, when he got sent off, he said, as long lines of early bath for you, mate. And I was like, yeah, that's really what you fucking said to him, obviously. You didn't say <laughs> yeah, anything. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Like people are running with it going, I can't believe oh, all he did was give him some heel heat and then he got pulled backstage and kind of dressed him down. I mean, for me, like, I still think it's stupid. But I'd rather that, I'd, personally, I'd rather that than him just get thrown out. Uh, you know, if he really was out of line, and I've seen wrestling fans like at shows get out of line, I, I don't think there's a huge problem with, with getting pulled backstage mm-hmm. and having a talking to. But again, again, is Bully Ray the right man for that? Uh, it does sound like an intimidating situation. So, And again, I'm not a Bully Ray fan, so if he's getting raked over the coals, I'm not going to be a, a huge defender of him. Um, but yeah. You don't, apparently you don't have a go at uh, Bully Ray's girlfriend, and yeah, you uh, you definitely shouldn't have a go at Eric Cantona, but we learned that a long time ago. <laughs> Attack his role in the creative process. That's that's one that he certainly is deserving of a kick in. Eric Cantona. Look, you've just compared Bully, Bully Ray to Eric Cantona. You compared <laughs> Bully Ray to the King. Like, come on. The Kung Fu kick. There has been some back. I was more comparing the fans rather than uh, Bully okay. Ryan Cantona. Okay, okay. Yeah. Got out. I remember when there was a game that was going to come out, like the Kung Fu Kick game. Uh, like one of the, one of the tabloids ran with it as a story. Like it was in. The, I'm sure it was amid, amidst the hysteria of Grand Theft Auto, and the idea was you were going to play football, but you were going to be able to jump into the crowd and kick fans. Uh, I don't. That, that sounds like something the sport would run with. It yeah. sounds like maybe. Yeah. It sounds like the UK version of like Shaq Fu or something. <laughs> remember Shaq Fu? <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. as a kid buying it. I'm genuinely thinking I'm gonna. I'll buy this game when it comes out. I want this game. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Probably wasn't really. Get out, Shaq. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, one other thing then, just to link into our next uh, thing we were gonna talk about, because it does all kind of link together. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, Takeover from the weekend now. But I did note that uh, that Meltzer gave uh, five stars to Cody and Dustin. I don't know what your thoughts were on that. I think one's coming for Gargano and Cole as well, based on his comments. Uh, we were talking about the star rating on our last show and I went 4.25 and I think since then I've kind of changed my mind and gone four and a half was was it a five star match I don't know what makes a five star match these days Uh, spoilers but I definitely don't think Gargano and Cole was gotta be one of my favourite matches ever and it's gotta be like like out of this world like nothing you've ever seen before so Mm. I rarely give matches five stars I've given one match five stars this year Mm. Um, I think I probably gave it last year was a considerably high year in terms of like match quality. Mm. And last year I gave, let me just check. I can see here one, two, three, four, five matches, five stars last year. Yeah. And that's probably the most five star matches I've ever, I've ever seen in a year. I think so. If you see those five matches, Akada Omega at Dominion, Tanahashi Ibushi at the G1 final, Ishii versus Omega, 
Okada versus um, Tanahashi and Gagano and Champa. <laughs> so like, the first one at Chicago. Oh, okay. Who was the first one? I'm assuming, yeah. yeah. See, I'm a coward. Kind of I probably gave all of them four point seven five. Um, but you know, Melter's not a coward though. Like he, 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 he does throw five stars out quite liberally these days. So it's not as much of a news yeah. story when it happened. I did think it was notable though, and I thought to be honest, actually more notable is that he gave Jericho Omega four point two five somehow. Uh, and that 87 people mm. in the observers' feedback thought that was the best match of the night. Like, that goal would be more than anything. Like, I know that you got the highest feedback ever, but 87 people thought that was the best match of the night? I don't know what they were watching. I did enjoy it, but Jesus, it was no way the best match of the night. I mean, it delivered in its own way, did certainly the job it had to do, but mm. I think it was like 3.75. Yeah, I think I went four. I think Pretty the awesome. Cody Dustin match is a match that I'll always remember. And mm. when I think of that show, that's the first match I'll think of. Mm. And I suppose on the night, it was kind of perfect. Like, what else could they have done, really, mm. in that match to make it better? But I still wouldn't go five star on it, because as far as matches that I've seen, would I rate it as one of the best matches I've ever seen in the history of wrestling? Mm. No, I wouldn't. But it's absolutely amazing match at the same time and four and a half that's an absolutely amazing rating at the same time nothing to be uh ashamed of i think they did a great job and for a 50 year old man to be getting a four and a half star rating i uh, it, that's bloody good yeah is, is he the oldest person to ever get a five star rating from Meltzer? i wonder i wonder if flair got one after he was 50 mm. don't, don't know no i doubt it i can't think of any would have got uh Anyone Mexico, maybe? Japan? Possibly Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe one of the mass matches in Mexico or the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone knows, let us know. I'm thinking of Paraguayo, possibly. Yeah. You'd be the man to know, being yeah. the <laughs> Mexican <laughs> correspondent. Yeah, within my death match and women's match, uh, women's duties. Um. Hey, you got your niches. You were, you were saying you were going to watch GCW's tournament of, what is it, tournament of survival this weekend? You didn't do it. You're no longer the death match correspondent, JP. I'm stripping you of that, uh, that honour. I tried watching. I also tried watching a bit of the uh, death match Hall of Fame ceremony. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it was there's a death match Hall. Of... It was a hall. I, the first bloke they introduced. I didn't know who he was. Can I was you, like, who is he? Can you tell tell us about it, please? Yeah, give us the blow oh, I started watching the beginning of it. I'll watch it. I'll make sure I watch all of it for next week. How have you got the time? <laughs> I only started watching the beginning, so I was who more curious in? of what is who, this. Who went in the Hall of Fame? I'm assuming it's all like Matt Tremont is all over that. <laughs> Masada. I don't know. Do what sort of set is it? Oh, it looked like one of these hotel lobbies. What, they hired out? What, what, I thought they, like... Just a group of fans. No, when Impact used to do it in, like, a bar. They used to do it in, like, a barn at DJ Ide's farm. Hmm. Well, they had the tournament itself in, like... Oh, you're asking where the tournament is, not the Hall of Fame. The Hall so. of Fame? No, oh, yeah. That's supposed to be in a hotel, but it was, like, in a big tent. A tent at a hotel? No, okay, the show itself? Oh, in a tent. In a tent. <laughs> oh, right. The Hall of Fame ceremony in some like hotel conference room hall. I mean, it could have gone either way, to be fair. it could. Yeah, it really... I mean, I started watching that tournament. I won't lie. I thought it was fucking disgusting, and I had to turn off. I was oh, like, ah, oh, I'm not enjoying... Lads, I mean, like, going to it as well seems like it's fraught with death. I know people who love this stuff. It's just not for me. But 
as you like to say, I'll enjoy being the canary in the coal mine. I like to admit, but I'll, I'll kind of happily sit through and watch shite. Yeah. Like, and just shake my head at it and then tell you about it and try and get Joe to watch it within the futile effort. You just I, go, I mean, I'm not watching it to wind me up. If it doesn't work, but it seems to wind yeah. myself up. That's oh, the, that's I, I reckon bit. when you said you were going to watch it, it was just a tease to try and get Joe to watch it. I know your game, JP. Well, I did it to you, didn't I, with those programs <laughs> from Bournemouth. And... Look, you've tried to be, has it ever worked? I'm not, no. I, I've never been very impressionable. I've never done things that other people have told me to do or, or really given into peer pressure, mate. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's a lesson for all our all our listeners <laughs> who are trying to get me. We've got, we've got oh, a whole of oh, Mania. Oh, shit. What date is that? That's not the 31st of August. Surely it's gone. Well, with the double or nothing. Well, with the um, AEW relationship with AAA. 3rd of August, lads, we're safe. Oh, <laughs> what a relief. I was going to say, yeah. we've got a whole load of listeners who might think you're impressionable, Joe, who wanted me to talk you into do, covering the Progress 80s show. Is there any amount of money we can pay you to, <laughs> to sit through that thing? Maybe on two times speed or something, just to give us your, your thoughts on Glenn's uh, wacky commentary with, uh, with our mate Matt Richards. Has it been uploaded with the commentary yet? Actually, I think, yeah, there's only the version without. Maybe the commentary is that bad that it's never going to see the light of day. Uh, I will say one of the commentators, who will remain nameless, did DM me saying, you're going to hate this commentary. So, you know. Yeah. So they have possibly realised the commentary is that bad they can't release it with commentary. I don't. I think they're doing some special gimmicky stuff with it. Possibly oh, like that commentary post. they did last year. Yeah. Do you remember how bad that was? This, the the kindest politest way of putting it is saying this 80s show is not for us i've been asked and i'm not legally obliged to cover everything that progress does yes you are so it's it's not a progress podcast you're legally obliged to cover all britress i'll take the role of the progress correspondent and i ain't watching this i'm ditching my correspondent duties like you're (laughs) ditching your deathmatch correspondent i think it's down to me though (laughs) if i watch tournament of survival then you'll go back watching progress no fuck off i've been asked if i'm gonna watch eve the saudi arabia show an 80 (laughs) progress show like how about the main event joe can we get you to watch that What's the main event? Uh, no, I actually don't. Is it not the Davy <laughs> Davy American uh, Sugar Dunkerton versus? Uh... Oh no, no. Open. Oh no, it's Aussie Open, isn't it? Is it? No, no. There's. Is it Kyle Fletcher? Because I think I've just seen. I've seen Sexy some cops. pictures. You know what? Who gives a fuck? The <laughs> show, let's. Show doesn't exist. Let's move. Well, on. it doesn't <laughs> exist within canon anyway. So future storylines and the rest of it, you're almost kind of irrelevant. I'm sure everyone who went. That's their bag. They enjoyed it. Fine. <laughs> well, it's not for me. And I don't think I can bring... It's probably best off that we don't review it. Fair enough. Well, we've broken my segue oh. completely in half, but to try and segue <laughs> back in, uh, Melton might give Cole and Gargano five stars. Did you give it uh, five stars? Uh, that's my question uh, The uh, no. from TakeOver. Oh. I, I went in thinking I was going to... App- I actually stayed up and watched the pay-per-view. If Started an hour earlier, didn't it? Uh, I thought I had like I was in the middle of the Wire season four. I saw, thought I had plenty of time to oh. get through the where, middle episode. Where are you up to in the Wire? You said at the time you you thought you had a chance to watch it. Where are you up to with the Wire at the oh, minute? Episode five or six of season four. Uh, already feeling bad for poor Dookie, the uh, the Dookie of uh, Wire fame, not uh, the Dookie of New Japan fame, the better Dookie. Uh, enjoying <laughs> it. Uh, realizing He's the. Yeah. <laughs> Realizing that Chris from the Wire is also in um oh what's the um the Deuce 
the other David Simon show. I didn't realize he was the, yep. the porn star in that, making all kinds of connections. Which one's Chris? The uh, Chris and Snoop, the two hitmen for um, Marlowe. Yeah, it's in jail. Oh, Chris Partlow, and yeah. he's with uh, Weebay as the two That's hitmen at right. the end. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I had to turn it off to put takeover on, so I was probably in a in a bad mood because uh, I realized about ten minutes in, shit, this show has actually started. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I was broken from my wire haze and watched the. Uh, watch this show um but yeah the, if so you, if you went from lots of method man in series four to watching matt riddle so from one g to another <laughs> there you go that's how it works yeah uh so it wasn't all bad i got to jump right in with that with that, that riddle match uh but yeah what did you, you both make of the show and yeah i'm guessing that you, you you're similar to me then on that main event i like i say i did watch it live i turned off because i just thought i'm gonna hate this thing i was convinced i was gonna hate it and then i watched it on vod and it was all right it, it's still not my thing uh, johnny gargano nxt made events i always get the impression it's maybe more your thing joe uh than, than for me but i see why people like it um even if it's you know I, i'm never in a million years going near five stars for for adam Cole and uh, johnny gargano gargano match but i might for the season four of the wire yeah i went uh four and a quarter um I, I love Gargano. I think he's great. Uh, he's one of the only wrestlers in WWE that I've connected with in a long time. Um, I think his main events have really delivered for the most part. I think, yeah, they went a bit too over the top with some of the Champa stuff at points. Mm. Uh, but this one for me wasn't anywhere near as good as the match they had last month or month before, sorry, in April. That might be a bit of live bias because I was there for that one as well. Mm. And it was one of the best matches I've ever seen live. But that's partly because the atmosphere was incredible for that match as well. And it was just great being a part of that sort of rapturous atmosphere. This one I thought was good, and I liked the drama that they created. And I think one of the things I can say for Gar- Gargano is he, he is a sympathetic wrestler who is great at creating drama, mm. even if the crowd seemed to be really into just an Adam Cole chant, basically. Um, and I loved the sort of dramatic element of this match. Um, I liked the back and forth. I liked the pace of it. It didn't kind of let up at any point. But I did think parts of it were almost too sort of stagey and choreographed. And that was the kind of downfall for me. Mm. Um, maybe last uh, the t- last takeover match was like that as well. But I didn't notice as much because I was there live in the arena. But there were some really great things in this match. And as far as like a great athletic contest goes, I thought it was awesome. Mm. But at the same time, I thought that there were bits where... They kind of you could telegraph sort of moments of the match too much, like bits like that double super kick spot, um, sort of were a bit blatant. It was a bit obvious it was going to happen, and it felt a bit too sort of like convenient. It didn't feel organic, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think there was a. It's happened in other sort of takeover matches before, and I've been fine with it. But I thought they went too sort of far past things, feeling organic in this match for my liking. But still, I did enjoy the match. It just wasn't quite at the level of uh, the last takeover match or Gargano's match with Ricochet in NXT in January this year either. Yeah, I think to be honest, everything you just said about the match is how I felt about the last match, <laughs> and I think okay, I mean, in a different way though, I didn't. I found the la- the last match. I think the amateur, amateur dramatics were too much for me, and there was less of that here. Uh, there was your big, you know, closing stretch where two ba- basically they're both hitting big moves, and neither of them are, are refusing to die, and the there is you know the overly 
they didn't go full Shawn Michaels Undertaker in this one. I didn't feel. Maybe that's why I didn't. To be honest, I like this better than the last match. Uh, but there was still a lot of that and a lot of, you know, we're not, we're not selling. It's kind of like, I mean, maybe I'm a hypocrite because I like it with Will Ospreay where, well, I'm not... I'm not showing you that I'm here and I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell. And then all of a sudden they do sell and it just kind of takes it out to me. It's like, well, why was, why was that the killer blow? I don't really get it in like, uh, in a logical pro wrestling way, but you know, I do forgive it for other people. Maybe it's just, I just, there's just something about this NXT main event style. It's not for me. I get why everyone likes Johnny Gargano. I know why you're a fan of him, Joe. And I was a fan of him, a big fan of him until this run where, you know, people like Dave Meltzer will tell you that, you know, these are, I think he said that Johnny Gargano has had like the best run of big matches of anyone he'd ever seen, you know, including a, a Shawn Michaels. I think he, he said WWE, I think. WWE, oh, okay. yeah. You know, of a, you know, even including Christ a Shawn Michaels. Just over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and match the match. So I get it. I get why people are into it, but it's just, it's not for me. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think for me, I'd rather have, uh, I don't know if I'd rather be watching The Wire season four, but uh yeah i I'm, I'm the low man on this i think i'm guessing i think i went three point i think i still accepted i think it went 3.5 maybe 3.75 i'll have to double check where i and you eventually mm-hmm. went with it's like it's one of those matches where i can i don't mean to suck the joy out of the room because i can watch it and get what people like about it it was in a lot of ways very pwg as well as very clearly you know Shawn michaels influence i can get why people like it and why it's good it just doesn't for me mean anything uh, i don't know if you're any different jp uh if you're any higher um I didn't at three point seven five. Oh right, for me. Okay. I think I was I was just at the point where, like you, I think it's just this particular style of match oh, wow. that they do, uh, and like you say, and I can't really add on this only too much about the match itself. It's not that it's bad. Obviously, it isn't. They're just those points when there feels like, and I know you mentioned it about was it about the last match they had that it felt sort of very choreographed and staging. And it kind of felt like for me there was like at times I was just going it's too much, too much here. And it's not that any of it's bad. I think I might be just a bit too immune to it. Mm. And and in some ways, I mean, we've said the same thing about some New Japan main events as well, where they. I think the New Japan stuff is more organic, though. A lot oh, of the it, time, it, is. it doesn't feel as rehearsed or as um, choreographed. I think the thing is with the two matches as well. The last match, they kind of. I always felt like they had more right to do the kind of over-the-top dramatic stuff because there was so much emotion based around Gargano Mm. winning that belt as well. So they really kind of uh, use that emotion to the fullest extent. And being in the room as well, that crowd switched from Cole to Gargano and it worked. It really worked. And people were waiting with bated breath for this Mm. moment when it came. So they had that goodwill at that point as well. Mm. And there was that first and that sort of almost need to see this. Whereas, yeah, I just think this time there wasn't quite... You know what? Saying that, the crowd were hot for the entire match. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this was like a hot, great crowd. The was mad as well. That, they had a great crowd mm. for this show. Mm. I mean, it was a lot smaller. And I think you made the comment, Bano, about it not lit particularly well, which oh, yeah. seemed unusual for them. Oh, that was just so that Roderick Strong and Matt Riddle give you like the 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 legitimate evolve experience where it looks like there's only one row of people around the around the front row. That's uh, that's what they were doing. Yeah, it was weird that, that, that the setup of it. I think the fact that it was just this random Saturday, it was just it was a strange experience watching it. Just like this, 
random NXT show on its own in the shadow of mm. of Double or Nothing, and you know, an hour earlier than normal, and in a in a B town, but you know, with a hot crowd. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a weird experience all in all. Really, I would I would say though, yeah, the crowd were great. I think they they didn't carry the the first few matches, but they definitely helped them because they were great matches in their own right. But they were they were mm. hot for all that stuff. I mean, again, maybe I'm negative on the main event, but. I loved. I mean, I still think this was a fantastic takeover. Like those first two matches, Roddy Strong and Matt Riddle. You know, we've seen them kill it before, and they killed it again here. Thought the ladder match was was great as well, apart from maybe five minutes in the middle there that we can get into. Uh, but top top to bottom, I thought it was a great show. And maybe I'm a hypocrite again because I didn't love the ex- excess of the main event. But here I am saying I kind of enjoyed the excess of Roddy Strong and Matt Riddle. Maybe because it was, I don't know, it felt like more of a legitimate shootout, and the match. Don't know, it built a, a little bit more in towards that style and it, and it felt like they were progressing to harder stuff and it was mm-hmm. it something about maybe the, the way the two of them you know move around the ring that, that makes it for me and just the, the fact that I just really like both of those wrestlers and they both got a, a certain gear in them that they can go for. Matt Riddle feeling very much more Matt Riddle um, and Roddy Strong, you know, kill it in the closing stretch like he always does. Uh, I absolutely love that thing and I, I really enjoyed the ladder as well. So there's plenty of uh, positive to say about this show as well. Yeah, I think Riddle versus uh, Roddy felt really fresh mm-hmm. as well. Like, and the style of match they worked felt fresh within the company. Like, I was watching this thinking, this is one of the most un-WWE like matches I've ever seen the company. Because of the way it was so sort of like, it was strike based, but around like knee strikes mm. and kind of kicks. And it was like, this is really, really hard hitting. And I think Roderick Strong is a really underrated wrestler as well. And I think he's only got, it took me years to come round to him. Same. Uh, he's he's, he's, he's Mr. I, Consistent, isn't he? He's like, yeah, he's he's been he's always been this good. But the problem with being Mister Consistent, he's always also been consistent in his his hairstyle, his boots, his trunks, his entire look, his persona, and the places that he's worked. He's always stuck around for far too long, and you forget how good he is. But he's always been consistently this good. And I I'm the same as you, Joe. I kind of every now and then I kind of get a bit bored of Roddy Strong, and then he he reminds me with a match like this, or just generally as NXT run in general, just how good he is. And he's he's always been right there, right in front of my face. Yeah, absolutely. But I think this was kind of balls to the wall, if anything. And I was going to say about the pace. Yeah, the this pace was, was amazing. And like Roddy Strong's cardio has always been something that's been kind of spoken mm. about as well. But for this, this was the best that Riddle had certainly looked mm. within. I, I'm oh, trying to think of it. Do you yeah. think it was better than the Velveteen Dream match? Yes. Mm. I think but I think, again, live bias for me because I, yeah. I absolutely loved that match live. Fair enough. Yeah, fair mm. enough. Not I a huge get, amount of it. But, I went the high. I mean, this was the highest I went in on 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 any match on the card. I went four and a quarter on this, mm. and this was like, and I really, I really in, in just enjoyed watching. It got me into the show, which probably then carried me through the tag then as well. But yeah, just it, it felt like it did feel like a almost near fifteen minute sprint. Mm. Like we just worked at this kind of like. It didn't have when you talk about it, it didn't feel like a WWE match. No. I thought because there just wasn't points where there were like a lull. In terms of right now, you're going to need to work this hold and take it down for a couple of minutes. And stuff. He was just like, no, this is. They're just sort of going at it, and like you say, sort of raising the stakes. Then with the strike exchange as well. So it was, it was just wait till Riddle but... gets the main roster and has a match with Randy Orton, mate. Then we'll slow it down. Mm, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's coming, isn't it? That uh, can't miss prospect. Uh, they'll somehow manage to miss. Uh, 
but yeah you're not going to see matches like this on the main roster and maybe that's why why i really enjoy that it does it, yeah. it, it it's something Vince will have him surfing or something won't he <laughs> he just won't get it at all grab a hole right, kick. scotty flamingo yeah ah oh. <laughs> Dudes with attitudes. Yeah, I was just thinking that the new uh, the new Johnny Ace give him a skateboard. It could uh, it could work. <laughs> well, Johnny Ace is there to help him out with that gimmick, isn't he? <laughs> oh, oh. I could definitely see it work. He's going to be like, you know, when the dude wears my car. Like originally, it was a stoner film, and then they edited it, it down a- to to make it PG, and they were just two idiots. There was no weed to be seen. They were just two idiots wandering around. Still a fun film, but that's got mm-hmm. Matt Riddle. Was it be. PG? Is yeah, that, PG yeah, PG yeah, thirteen. Yeah. I, I saw it at the cinema, but I was must have been fifteen when it came out. I love dude wears my car at the time. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it was still great. It was still a lot of fun. But yeah, they did kind of edit that thing within a within an inch of its life, and that's what I think Matt Riddle's going to be. Ashton Kutcher as JP and Sean William Scott <laughs> as Matt Riddle. <laughs> you and him in a rematch. Oh, <laughs> strike me more as Bill and Ted. I reckon you two, you and Riddle, JP. Yeah, oh, I, I'll happily do that. That's. <laughs> Love that. Looking forward to the third one. Uh, any... <laughs> hey, <before laughs> we... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just happy that the the guy the guy who's not Keanu Reeves is getting some work. Uh, these these Alex, but he's been directing for a long time. Oh, we've been into he's that. Like... We've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's he directed? He's done, done a couple of. He's like done documentaries about like the dark web and stuff Has like he? that. Yeah, yeah, like sort of. I know the one you mean. Com- yeah. Yeah. That was so. That was one. Of, I think it was on one. Of, it might be one of the early ones on Netflix when I first ended up subscribing to it. Um, I think it was on Hulu yeah. as well. Yeah. Found out he used the dark web in no time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's not really that type of film. It's more of a socio-political <laughs> look at is, the the influence of a hidden internet. Is there an equivalent of the JP drive on the dark web? that we just don't know about. <laughs> you're now at that point, you're equating it with something that's getting into a very dark realm. I'm just talking it, guns and weird. It's that's a odd, light-hearted fun place is the JP drive. <laughs> anyway, back to the show. <laughs> the ladder match. Gunner. Let's talk about Gunner because this match was all I about fucking JP loves. <laughs> JP and Triple H. <laughs> Who knew that JP and Triple H would share a love of mid-2000s TNA and Gunner would be the one that... Him. Gunner clearly jumped out of the screen to Trips, just like he jumped out to JP. Unbelievable, eh? Do you know what the Forgotten Sons remind me of? They're like a tag team from Oz. Like, you know, the (laughs) Oz, like the biker gang. Think of the names as well. Jackson Riker, Steve Cutler. Uh, What's the other guy? Wesley Blake. Yeah, not him so much, but Jackson Riker is the most Oz-sounding name you could possibly find. Yeah, what did you think of his five-minute beatdown? Get him over. Strong, eh? I think I enjoyed it for kind of all of the wrong reasons. (laughs) Because it's good, And you're wondering where Murphy is? It's not like Gunner was, like, standing (laughs) out in TNA as someone needs to get him in there. Yeah, he likes the weights. It's like, who in that company fucking doesn't? Like, seriously. Weights in a beard, you're in with trips. Is <laughs> <laughs> another mini trips. Here we go. Who was sat backstage and thinking, right, gimmick-wise? What gimmick of Anwar? You know what gimmick I really liked? The DOA. What a great unit they were. The Harris brothers. Oh, Brian Lee, I think he was in it, wasn't he, at one point? Yeah, let's go back with that, with that gimmick. The Forgotten Sons. <laughs> Bring back it Lost Request a- next, do that. Get some Hispanic wrestlers yeah. in, put <laughs> them in some uh, Fucking right with went on forever. Gang Warfare. Oh, Gang Warfare. To silence. 
yeah. terrible. Ugh. This was it was yeah it, taking his bit out. Yeah, it, it wasn't enjoyable. It was and a good angle, creative. wasn't it? It was a good five minute angle. It just yeah. It, it, I don't know. Maybe it's me being you know from a star rated point of view, but it kind of pulled down the overall of the match. I thought because it was so long, even if I enjoyed it. Plus, it was yeah. gonna gonna JP. It was gonna. Yeah. It's no. He's no crimson, is no. he? Let's be <laughs> honest. So at this, he's point. no relic. That's killer balance. Yeah, <laughs> it's a relic. Oh God, killer balance. And they wonder why there was never any buzz about it. So they had this great match, and we're just talking about TNA. TNA, <laughs> we are. Basically, yeah. this was, it's their fault the, for booking Gunner. I, I will say with this, was when he got in, I thought, oh, right, they're going to put the belts on the Forgotten Sons because they clearly like it. So I was pleasantly surprised by the outcome of the Street Profits winning, which I was more all right with than I thought I, thought I would be. Um, it was It was fun. It was creative. It was scary at points yeah, and was, bloody reckless at stages. Scariest ladder match they've done in a long yeah. time. I, I was worried about Kyle O'Reilly at several points. When he landed, when the, the the ladder had fallen down on his back and he cut his back oh, on there as that well. That ladder went flying over his head and almost like, sliced his head off. Yeah, that was oh, when they had the, they did the suplex, didn't they? they the, yeah, it, it was like, awful. I thought it was going to be like that bit in The Omen where that bloke's head gets sliced Oh, off. with the big glass oh, bit. it was yeah. really scary, that. Yeah, but it, I still thought this was a fun match, aside mm. from fucking Gunner. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, the Street Profits. You know what? I think I've maybe seen two Street Profits matches ever. Um, but after their hot Evolve run, it's good to see that, uh, you know, they've been rewarded with the tag belts. Really good ending, I thought. Oh, yeah. Love the way it was shot as well. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. really good production on that ending. But also good to see Oni Lorcan and Martin Stone in a big match as well, I thought. I'm a big Mm -hmm. fan of them as a tag team and was rooting for them, but unfortunately didn't live up to expectations. Did Bobby Fish get injured? Because I know it's obviously at the end of the show he came out and his arm was in a bright, his arm was in a sling. Did anybody notice that? No. No. Okay, just me then. <laughs> well, we'll we'll let that go. Um, the only thing I would, <laughs> yeah, we'll just move straight past that. The worry I would have is that I think because of that Montez Ford spot, I can see them doing more ladder matches on the reg in order for him to be able to kind of do variants on that spot again. Mm. And it was great because it was the first time we'd seen him do that. That's that always worries me that the thing, the thing they take from the match Mm. is not necessarily the emotion and stuff like that. They just take the kind of the highlight moment bit and try and do that on repeat. So I kind of, they still need to be working. They're a good team to have around NXT just because they haven't got that kind of, indie name necessarily so you're not it's not like the war raiders where you go these guys should be on the main roster i've been doing this for such a long time for them it does make sense for them to still be in nxt and kind of build it as their tag team the crowd really like them they're really into them they're it's a good choice for them to be champions and they have got a natural charisma so it it makes sense for them to be champions yeah plus trip's got to post a mark photo with red cups with them so you know just that too uh, <laughs> yeah, and I enjoyed them. They've, yeah. they've got a connection to the crowd, haven't they? And they've got they've got something that's gonna, I think, get them over in the long term. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was the, not to distract with the uh, the gunner talk. It was a fun ladder match. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, did you have much uh, to say on the the other matches on the card? Uh, Tyler Breeze and Velveteen Dream and uh, Io Shirai. And Why Shani did that Baseball. match exist? Yeah, I, I wasn't into it. I honestly, 
I'm mm. happy to hear you say that because I've heard people raving about Tyler Breeze's performance, and I just thought he looked. Oh, really? I just thought he looked like SmackDown mid card guy transported back to NXT, and I don't think they recaptured any of the magic. Maybe it was the the, the worn stubble and just the the depressing nature of it all. Even though I kind of think it is the right thing to do with someone like him, who they've got nothing mm-hmm. to do on the main roster, bring him back and and put him somewhere where at least he's over. Uh, but ah. it wasn't for me. It wasn't special. It wasn't a dream a dream match nah. to me. Uh, I didn't love it. I think the other thing with this is like Tyler Breeze. Yeah, he was fine in NXT. I think I thought he was all right at the time. Different he's done NXT. nothing. For, yeah, he's done nothing for years. Mm. I don't remember any hot matches on takeovers. I don't remember any overly memorable singles matches on takeovers. There was very early takeovers, wasn't it? That he was like a kind of focal. He had a match with Liger. I was going to say like, Liger. Yeah, a great yeah. match or anything. Mm. It's a while ago now that he was on them, and also. NXT's kind of moved on. We're in this mm. kind of like work rate era of takeovers. Mm. And Velveteen Dream, yeah, I know he's a WWE product, but why is Tyler Breeze kicking out of lots of Velveteen Dream's moves that have often finished matches? Like, to me, it just felt really counterproductive to have this mm. guy who's nobody on the main roster yeah. coming down to NXT and being treated as an equal with a guy who could be the next big thing in the company if they push him in the right way and i just thought that was a bit of a stupid move i I would have had him beat him in eight minutes quite convincingly Mm. um i didn't feel that there was a need for this to go 17 minutes i would have done a quick sprint given tyler breeze some offense but add velveteen dream wouldn't a really strong way ultimately Mm. yeah for me like i think i'd push back on the i would do this with tyler breeze but i do think the negative is you do you then you do down your actual stars by making him too competitive uh, I don't think it's a bad idea in principle. I just don't think for whatever reason it worked out on the show itself. Uh, I don't know if you're any different, JP, on it. Because um, I did hear people raving about this. It was a great match. I just didn't really see it myself. It, it's it's a fine match. It's, it, it, for me, it's kind of the epitome of really a, a three-star match mm. for me. And maybe I'm being more brutal because I'm star rating <laughs> everything in the minute. He did tweet AEW and say, follow that. And I was like, yeah, that's not the match to, to tweet that about, uh, Mr. Dream. Yeah. Who it did is. that? Mm. Velveteen Dream. I think they will follow that quite convincingly, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's not that it's bad. It's just, it's given, obviously, what you'd seen in the first two matches mm. and what you kind of knew you were going to get with the main event. It, it felt like this was a match that kind of felt like the dip. I mean, I do really like Velveteen Dream. There's a lot to like about him as a character and how he's improved as a wrestler. If they're thinking long term, which obviously they're not, the thing that you would do is have him have lots of matches against kind of established wrestlers. But I would say have him looking stronger and stronger as he kind of builds through it, having had, you know, holding on to this title for a bit of time. But they clearly don't think, you know, they think more with NXT, but it's difficult because I fear that at some point he'll just get called up out of nowhere and then you'll see the true horror of what Vince will do to him. Sorry to turn him back to that again. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, any thoughts on the women's match, JP, as our women's correspondent, or should we uh, move on? I, I, It wasn't as good as I thought it would be. I thought, it, again, it was fine. It wasn't necessarily bad, but it, I don't know. I, I It didn't... Ne- it was 
perfectly fine. I think the other women's matches they've had on other takeovers before this have been have ultimately ended up better than this. Yeah, the match that she had with Kyrie Sane at the yeah. Evolution Pay Per View was considerably better. I thought yeah. this one. It was, and, and I suppose in some ways, I'm not saying Baszler isn't stale, obviously, but in normal world, she would be you'd put her up onto the main roster as the kind of killer would be. Obviously you want to oh, nowhere near that place. No yeah. But what they would exactly. And it's all based on, and you think of horrible reasons, the reason it would be is because of her age and her look. That's how they view it. And her sexuality. Vince would want to fuck her. And that's what it will come down to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it. To be brutally honest. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, I mean, he's the most shallow man in the world, isn't he? Yeah. Um, in that regard. So, I kind of think this this feels like the division maybe should be moving past Baszler. That in it some... felt like a time to change the belt. It, it did feel like the time. It felt like a time to build up Io Shirai, but not having. And I like the ending. I liked that the kind of dragged out um, choke and, and uh, the choke that she had on Io Shirai. And Io Shirai nearly getting to the ropes and then being able to pull her back. I thought there's some good stuff with that. It's not that it was by. It, not that it was bad. Again, it was fine. I think it was better than the belt. I think I might have gone about three point two five for this because mm. it was for me slightly yeah, better. I think I went the same. Slightly better than the velvet. I enjoyed it more than the Velveteen Dream Tyler Breeze match. But yeah, not as good as I thought it was going to be. To be honest, yeah, three star special for me. That's what I gave it. Um, yeah, just fine. And yeah, I mean. I just maybe I kind of watch this show like amongst you know so many people I know absolutely loving this as a, as a takeover and I could recognize that it was good, but I don't know for me just NXT doesn't hugely excite me at the moment and maybe it is that depression of you know if a if a Basil goes up what's gonna happen if a Riddle goes up what's gonna happen and if if mm. that's true and it's even true of a Gargano who's you know whether I love him or not has led this brand for the last couple of years if it all means out. Uh, when they go to the big show then then what does it matter but maybe you could just you know maybe maybe it's best you know we say Baszler's getting a bit stale maybe it's best she does she does just stay here and NXT does continue to to just be its own thing um it can't be any worse than the main roster um question about NXT contracts though so you know Mm -hmm. like when you go to the main roster you sign a new contract Mm -hmm. what would happen if you've got like three months left on your NXT contract and they're like we're putting you to the main roster and you say well, I don't want to sign. Like, I wonder what the stip. If there's a stipulation in the contract that basically says you have to sign a new contract, or, or whether or not it's a roll-on, whether or not they would have signed it, and then if we call you up, yeah. we we automatically go into an extension of the contract. I suspect it would be that. Yeah, I've always wondered how that works. Because yeah. Riddle, I think, signed was it two-year deal? Was it? Mm. Well, he thinks he's going to turn up on Raw tonight. Third. We might be aging this podcast already. He's threatening to challenge Brock Lesnar on Raw tonight, so Riddle's got eyes on the main roster. <laughs> Riddle in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I'd enjoy that. I each struggle there. <laughs> so would you? <laughs> True. I tell you what can stay in NXT though, like Mauro Ronaldo. Like this is some, I can't remember if we talked about it or not. I can't, this show is I I can't stand Mauro Ronaldo, and I know people love him, and you know I'll listen to people rave about him as this great all-time commentator. Like for me, all he did is just scream all night and make crap references. I can't stand them. I just, if I, I hate the main roster commentary, but the NXT commentary is like running it close for me at the moment. I, I just, I don't get the more Ronaldo loving. I don't know if either of you can shed any light for it because for me, he's just, just an infuriating, shouty, 
shitty reference. He seems to, you can tell he's having a great time out there. He seems to be loving it, but mm. I, it just, yeah, I've got no patience for him at this point. I just, uh, I can't stand him. I personally, I've always enjoyed his boxing and MMA commentary a lot more. But I was annoyed when I realised that the Joshua fight was Sky and DAZN, which I don't know why I didn't realise that before I watched it. Because mm. I ended up having to watch the American coverage of it rather than the Sky coverage. And the Sky coverage is so much better than DAZN coverage. Mm. And I was thinking, I was actually thinking, oh, I wish Mauro wasn't there NXT and he was commentating this. Because <laughs> when I've watched American boxing coverage rather than UK, he's one of the better boxing commentators mm. that's still doing it on the US side of things. But yeah, that was one of the first thoughts that came into my head when he turned up here. Cause I thought, Oh, they're going to get someone in <laughs> because he'll be doing the boxing before stupidly not realizing the deal that uh, Eddie Earn had signed with mm. the zone. Um, I don't mind him. I think he's he 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 enjoys it. There's some enthusiasm there. Yeah. You don't get any enthusiasm in the main roster. It just all seems like apathy because you've got a nutcase um, shouting down your head, down down your headset like the psychopath he is. So yeah, I would like to. Does it feel like a very long time ago since he was doing the commentary for Ac- New Japan on Access? And remember, some... I, ne- I never watched it because I, I was watching the very New the... Japan World. So yeah, I wasn't watching the Access. There was a couple of those, and it was he has definitely. I mean, and the enthusiasm. Yeah, it, it maybe. And I don't know whether or not it's because of the documentary. Maybe makes me think a bit more sort of more fondly of him than, sure, than you yeah. do. Ben. I, I, mean, see that. I have to say, rather than it kind of getting on my nerves, it just, again, it washes over me. It's yeah, there yeah, and it, it goes by. And so I don't find myself kind of reacting to it other than he's better than I prefer him to other commentators on there. But I don't know, Ben, did you hear any of the stuff he did when he did some of the New Japan um Oh yeah, uh, the access show weekly. Access. Yeah, yeah. Again, in a booth. That's, that's like the perfect version of him mm. for that as a wrestling commentator, mm. and it's it's a toned down. It is a noticeably toned down version of this, with a couple of his asides thrown in, rather than this one where it was like aside, 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 Game of Thrones reference, all the rest of it. Yeah, as someone who just throws out the most ridiculous references possible, mm. perhaps <laughs> you know. Yeah, Actually, I feel like I can't criticise the man. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, maybe I should maybe Fair I should enough. be careful what I, what I say. You know, we definitely profit off those references, Joe. So yeah, maybe it's uh, kind of fine on this one. You are, mate. <laughs> I'll be careful. <laughs> uh, one thing uh, I've been a bit negative on this show, but one thing I'll be positive about. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about. Uh, New Japan's best of the Super Juniors. Uh, last week, I was raving about uh, the matches from last week, and you guys were were still catching up. I don't know if did you catch up on uh, Osprey Romero and the other uh, fantastic Osprey performances, both last week uh, and this week. He's continuing to kill it in the best of the Super Juniors. Lots of uh, other stuff, uh, great stuff going on as well. I don't know where you're both up to with that. Are we kind of, before we started recording this tonight, uh, Tom, on Monday, we managed to just watch the Taguchi-Will Ospreay match from um, today's for the, that was the B-block final, mm. I assume, yeah? Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm caught up certainly on the big matches and the stuff that's important. I think after, to get over the, the Europa League to- on the Wednesday, we ended up watching like sort of three or four. Um, yeah, we watched a few, didn't we? We watched like three or four, which was quite fun. Um, really enjoyable. It's been a great tournament. It, I mean, the matches, I think these two semi final block shows, 
for me, weren't as strong as some of the stuff I'd seen earlier in the tournament. I know Ishimori's been really suffering with a bad injury throughout this. And I think that did affect, for me, the match he had with Shingo. Not that it was bad, but it certainly wasn't anywhere near a level that, that you know that they could go to. And Taguchi, as fun as he could be, it was kind of probably a perfect match for Osprey. So he didn't have to do any really crazy stuff. It's still ultimately Taguchi being Taguchi, and there is a limit. There is a, a, a ceiling on how good necessarily those matches are going to be. There's always going to be a fair whack of R-spaced offense, isn't there? That you're going to have to go along with that oh, as you're well. You're used to that, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the JPU drive on uh, on the dark web. Oh no, no, there is enough. There's nothing lying on there. Uh, anyway, talking yeah. of uh, well, not talking about asses to move on. Will Godspray <laughs> has been a revelation in this tournament, and is oh, for no. me. If he's leaving, leaving that Super Juniors, Super Junior, if he's leaving that Juniors division behind after this, mm. my God, he certainly left them in a good place, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's basically made kind of mm. everyone who's kind of fresh in the tournament in this one mm. by just having great match after great match and getting the other guys over. Like he is so fucking generous, but at the same mm. at the same time, he clearly cares about the division he cares about the wrestlers oh, yeah. which you know he gets a lot of criticism he can come across as an idiot at times but at the same time he cares about wrestling so much more than many other really nice wrestlers out there who may i don't know give you a nice little free badge at a merch table or something doesn't he like what an absolute revelation he's been this tour once again like mm. some of the matches he's had in here i've just been blown away by at points like the just the variety as well has been absolutely outstanding in this tournament i just can't speak highly enough about his performance throughout the tournament mm, yeah that's it and even against like bums like you know the bad dookie you know it's like he went out there and he, and he dragged Duke, like we said dragged dookie to a great match Taguchi, like we were just talking about Taguchi for me is it's been it's kind of jarring because a lot of the nights Osprey will be in the semi-main and then Taguchi, because he's the bigger name in Japan, has to follow him with his bullshit comedy. Uh, and it's been interesting watching that. And then Osprey goes in there with him and has the best match of his tournament. I mean, you could make, maybe not for everyone, but you could make the argument for everyone that Osprey has had everyone's best match. And like I say, it goes right down to your Taguchis, your Dukies. I love the match with Robbie Eagles with the, mm, with the story so with Elf. El Fantasmo on the outside and the the leg work and the you know people criticize Osprey for not selling but you know he gets his nah, leg worked over he's falling apart in this tournament and he's you know okay he might work he might you know fight through you know big moves he might he might come off with like a he did his um Rana flip reversal didn't he with Robbie Eagles where he normally lands mm. on his feet oh. and because of his leg he buckled and that was key to to a big near fall and then key to the finish with El Fantasmo being fantastic on the outside coming in with a, a chair shot because he wants to uh, cost for Os- Osprey points it all worked into the story of the match and it's gonna it's continued to work into the story of Osprey throughout this tournament and he's just yeah he's putting together a, a body of work that I'm sure they've already got plans to put him in the G1 but if they didn't already I'd be dropping somebody from the G1 I'd be taking out a Goto or or somebody like that and uh, and dropping them and, uh, and definitely putting Will Osprey's name in at this point if he just based on his show and invested the Super Junior so far 
Yeah, the Eagles match, the legwork was incredible. Mm. Uh, that Rana spot you mentioned, some of the, the storytelling there, just mm. the nuance as well of what Osprey was doing mm. and the way they managed to make that story translate, get Eagles over in the meantime, put sympathy on Osprey. I don't know anyone can do his selling down. I think he's one of the best sellers in the entire wrestling business. Yeah. Like Some of the stuff he was doing in that Eagles match was different mm. level. And the way he was working on that one leg, the way he was getting it across, like... He's, he was in the New Japan Cup. He was amazing. He's been in this tournament. He's been amazing. If we get him in the G1, it's like a hat trick, if anything. Mm. Man City mm. might have had a domestic treble, but Will Ospreay can well introduce do a triple threat of uh, New Japan tournaments this mm. year as the MVP, possibly. It's going to be fascinating to see he job, the job he does on Wednesday mm. against, against Shingo Takagi. I mean, because that's the one, isn't it? Like, mm. is this the match that's going to, you know, for both of them, that's going to completely, you know, elevate Shingo as the the face of the junior division until he can get probably the big Hiromu match in there as well. But building up certainly as the face of that, while, you know, Will Ospreay hopefully ends up in that Jay White spot. Yeah. Mm. There's nothing wasted in these matches as well. Every move kind of matters mm. and means something a lot of these matches. The Eagles match was a prime example of that. Mm. The El Fantasmo match maybe lost a bit of focus at points mm. and maybe was a little bit more over the top, but it still worked and it still mm. got El Fantasmo over further to those fans and he got his big win over Osprey, so they built a story on top of that as well. They played that into the Eagles match. Like, i got to say, like I said, he's making the entire division, but every opponent he's worked with as well, he's worked their character into the match He's just had the most diverse range of ridiculous matches in the space of, what, three weeks? And has made every opponent he's worked with. He's worked epics that sort of build gradually. Like I said, every move matters. You think of the Romero match. You think of the Robbie Eagles match. Sort of similar structure to a degree as well. Osprey selling lots, but every move mattering. And then them sort of culminating it with that kind of big end sequence as well over-the-top ELP match, but one of the matches I loved as well was the Ren Narita match. Mm. It's like a seven, eight-minute sprint. My God, did he make him look good. Mm. Some of the work, with, with, like some of the offense, he let Narita get in on him. Mm. The way he got Narita to brutally kick him, the way he put that Texas Cloverleaf on, oh, I was going, I've watched that match twice, and that is one of the best sub-10-minute sub matches I've ever seen. Mm. Like, I'd probably go four and a quarter stars, and went about eight, Eight minutes, I think. It was absolutely mm. awesome match. Yeah, definitely. He loves a, a good sprint as well. And he can he can do all styles at this point. And like you say, he can he can be in there with a dookie and he can pull it out and he can be in there with anybody really at this point and do any style and do any match. And like you said, JP, that that Shingo match now. I mean, I'm not as high on Shingo <laughs> as, as a lot of people seem to be. I, there's been some great, great Shingo matches in this tournament. But just imagine that thing when when them two are in there with something to prove. It's gonna be, it's gonna be special, and it's been a special tournament overall. I would say to it, like I do think, like you know, last week we were talk, I was talking about well, you know, the Joe, you were saying you were picking and choosing, and I was kind of saying, well, you know, those Corrigan days, I watched pretty much everything. I think we've got in the later stages of the tournament now. I think I'm back to picking and choosing. It, it, you get a little bit of that G1 level fatigue 
just with the wrestlers mm. themselves more than anything the the wrestlers have been uh, you know the walking wounded they've been working at incredible pace especially the likes of of osprey so far but it is osprey who stands head and shoulders above everyone else and even if i'm skipping other matches on days it's it's him who i've been jumping out watching and that's reflected in the gla- grapple ratings i think he's had the highest rated match for the last five days something like that um that's just osprey through and through and if yeah if i'm going to recommend anything to people who are, who are either looking at grapple or just looking at picking and choosing from the tournament like i am now just pick out the osprey stuff that's the stuff to watch right now and the bandido match melt to go five stars we didn't even mention that like that was not <laughs> a match that yeah. most resembled like a the ricochet match a few years ago mm. if you ask me that kind of like stunning over the top exhibition match that was just an absolute spectacle it was great fun again bandido got over further working the Corica main event just what absolutely great match that was as well mm. one match i would say to also go out your way for and I, in my mind i was thinking rocky romero's at his best of a match of osprey el fantasma's at his best of a match of osprey and then they went and had one another's best match with each other i can't believe how good rocky romero and el fantasma actually was yeah, mm. i think that was a legit four and a half star match the drama <laughs> they created and that was yeah. off the off the charts we're talking about the say the cole gargano match mm. and the sort of staginess of it this felt so organic yeah. as mm. a match it built upon spot after spot. There was a concentrated story. There was a clear face heel divide. And it just felt so natural with what they were doing. It was a fucking awesome match. Who says baby faces and heels are dead, eh? Uh, that was the perfect example of drama you can do with a pure good guy and a pure bad guy. Uh, I absolutely loved it, yeah. Still still my favourite match of the tournament. And there's some sort of picking between them, isn't it? And you mentioned earlier on in terms of the some of the ratings on there. It's going to be fascinating... To see, I mean, this junior division for me, yeah. it's going to be in a hell of a good place once you know this tournament has gone by. Going to be fascinated to see if this is going to lead to some really classic junior matches. There's also a chance some really good junior tag teams, which is something they've not had for quite some time. Yeah. And uh, you know, hopefully, when we look back on this in within two years, you're going to look at the amount of people who've been who were built up over this tournament and are now in sort of real much more prominent positions within within the junior division definitely um and again you know if people are struggling for stuff to, for recommendations definitely check out uh, grapple uh, i don't believe today's yeah. on there yet gareth's on holiday cut, cut him a break he's got a he's got other things uh probably on his brain at the moment but uh, when he does get back from holiday we'll have to uh, have a wear with him and see if we can get some stats on you know the the overall, you know the averages and how this compares, and, and you know what the who who the standout wrestlers are. I'm guessing it's Will Ospreay, and what the actual standout matches are at the end. So I'd be interested to see what the overall highest match ends up being from this entire tournament and grapple. Because like we said, there's a uh, there's so much competition there. So yeah, we'll have to uh, once he's back, we'll get Gareth to uh, put a graph together or something, and uh, I'd talk about that next week. Also, I would like to say, Gareth, he put up a video of his kids singing the Will Ospreay theme song. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, wow. Like, just to tie those together, they I think they've heard it so many times <laughs> now like, that they were singing it. It's yeah. probably the theme of their holiday, possibly. <laughs> it's, it's, That's a story in itself, isn't it? Maybe he's forced them to watch all the all the um, Will Ospreay matches as well. Perhaps his indoctrination's working better than yours. Well, I was going to say he started big and sort of went from there. It's like, right, I'm just going to get them to watch every Osprey match in the last few years. Yeah, maybe. That's true. Do your do your kids not know the full words to the elevator song, JP? No, <laughs> they, they don't know. <laughs> Regulate. 
no, no, not to regulate. I don't know, uh, regulate. Oh, I thought they would. Uh, Matt Riddle's entrance theme and all that. The song that the song they like at the minute is "The Man" by The Killers. Oh, oh right. I don't, yeah. I, uh, Killers' don't first album. I was just done after that. Oh. <laughs> Can I make one last Will Ospreay based point as well? Oh god. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking to myself, like in this tournament, he's had so many guys best ever match, and then I was having a think about. Will Ospreay and opponents he's had their uh, opponents he's faced who he's had their best match with, right? And I compiled a list, and I've got eighteen wrestlers on this list that I'm convinced Will Ospreay their best matches with Will Ospreay. Can I just read them out? Cool. Marty Skrull, Ren Narita, Jimmy Havoc, Robbie Eagles, Adam Brooks, Tai Chi, Yo, Dan Maloney. Lance Archer, Jay White, there you go, <laughs> Matt Riddle, Kashida, Ricochet, Travis Banks, Mark Haskins, Drew Galloway, and Taguchi. Wow. That was 17, actually, not 18. I had Yo on there twice, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a list. Uh, One of Vader's best matches. <laughs> Bandido? I didn't put Bandido on. I think that might have been the best Bandido yeah. match I've ever seen. Yeah. 18 it is. There you go. Bloody hell. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's just once in a generation, isn't he, Osprey? Uh, and it's great. It's great to see mm-hmm. that he's he's no longer like just a a secret on uh, on Rev Pro shows over here. And I think even even the biggest uh, Osprey deniers can't deny just uh, just how good he is at the moment. Yeah, that's a there's some interesting stats. Like. Um, I mentioned it there. Is there anything? That, I mean, before we go, Joe, where uh, we you've touched on it a little bit throughout the show that you're at the cockpit at the weekend any other notes on that you wanted to make or anything you wanted to say i believe there was a a standout match there at the uh, the cockpit that people should be checking out oh yeah absolutely uh, interesting show i missed the first match i took me a while i was with a mate in london before and it took me a little while to get across london to the show so i ended up missing the um contenders match so i can't i've walked in at the ending so i don't know anything about that one the rest of the first half was a bit disappointing i thought it was one of the more sort of lackluster cockpit shows in terms of the first half Mm. my god did the second half pick it up aside from the uh, tk cooper chris brooks match which i didn't enjoy tk cooper you know you ain't my references benno and i'm gonna make a soap based (laughs) one he reminds me of billy mitchell He's just like down on his luck. Like, have you ever known Billy Mitchell to like, like, yeah, he met Honey, had a good time. Like TK Cooper when he was a Dahlia Black at the top of his game. But now he is just this absolute mope that cannot get it together and is constantly made to look like an absolute geek. Like, he is just about as Billy Mitchell as any wrestler can possibly ever get. And I feel sorry for the bloke. And yeah, I feel sorry for Billy Mitchell sometimes. So, yeah. That was no good, that match. I didn't care for that one. But there were three matches on the second half of the card. First one was the White Wolf against Dan Maloney and Curtis Chapman match. Hell of a match, that Dan one. Dan McGee. It's Dan McGee. Sorry, much bigger fan of McGee than Maloney as well. <laughs> Dan McGee has taken on the uh, John Moxley or Dean Ambrose mode of wearing jeans in his matches. Mm. And remember when I used to talk about how he could go all out and be like this proper brawler who yeah, wears yeah. his jeans and has his, grows his hair out? I like to think he's been listening to this podcast and he's taken my advice, possibly. Good lad, Daniel. <laughs> but it's great match. McGee got an absolute shiner, but the pace of it was fucking awesome. And the way that White Wolf were able to just blend with McGee and Chapman, who I don't think they'd ever worked before, just felt very organic, very good match. Um, another great match as well. And this, I honestly think, the next the tag title match between Aussie Open, Shah Samuels and Josh Bowden, 
was on for the best cockpit match or one of the best cockpit matches I've ever seen. This match was absolutely ridiculous. It was a lot. I love a hate filled brawl where people are just lumping the shit out of each other with intensity and at a fast pace. And it started off fast and it started off intense. We had Bodum doing sort of moonsaults off the apron onto the floor and all the rest of it. And then there was some blood. I don't know. I don't know what happened because I was watching mm-hmm. Shah Samuels doing Shah Samuels things. Look round, and Josh Bodum's got this massive cut. The referee's bleeding as well. Bodum starts going absolutely mental. It was like the cut gave him like a second wind. Like the lumps they were kicking out of each other in this were absolutely insane. It was a massive shame when it ended because Shah basically goaded Mark Davis into hitting him with a title belt and it ended in DQ. But this was honestly on for one of my favourite matches that I've ever seen in that venue. And I've seen some great matches there before. It was completely different to anything I'd seen there for a while. There were some brutal Josh Bodum, Donovan, Dijak matches there a couple of years ago. Mm. And it was sort of reminiscent of that in terms of the style and the way they just went absolutely balls to the wall. And different different sort of um, style from Davis and Fletcher here. Fletcher and Davis were way more aggressive. Bodum and Samuels brought something out of Davis and Fletcher that I've never seen before. There was a point I wondered if someone had gone wrong in the match and Josh Bodum, you know, you know about his rep and all the rest of it. <laughs> maybe it was maybe as good as it was because it had stepped over a certain line. I don't know. But the blood and the intensity in this was just on a different level. And I'd love to see another match between these guys. And I hope they can recapture the magic they found in this match. Mm. Um, soon after... I did see maybe the best match I've ever seen at the cockpit. And you know what? I wanted to see the tag title match way more than this. I wanted the tag title match to go on last. I was even considering leaving early. And had a few things to do at home. I was thinking, pack. Oh, it was running late week. as well. It was running late. Yeah, had a few things to get home to do. I'll tell you what, best pack match I've seen since he's been outside of WWE. Better than the KZ match. Better than the, um, oh, what was the other match he had in Dragon Gate last year that was all right? Can't remember. But better than all of those matches, if you ask me, it's Michael Oku. So a man who's been wrestling for about two years. This match was outstanding. Uh, really simple story as well. Went 28 minutes, and it was 28 minutes of like pure storytelling, if anything. Pack was probably the most over I've seen him in mm. a UK venue since he's been back as well. He seemed like he was enjoying himself as well, and it seemed like that kind of bastard character was getting over a lot more than it previously has. And he made Oku. This match made Oku in one night, basically. First 10, 15 minutes were Pac just taking him for granted, knocking him around, mm. taking the piss. It felt like, I don't know, Man City taking Leicester for granted towards the end of the mm. season kind of thing. It just went on and on and on. You're thinking, God, this is going a while here. And then Oku starts getting all these hope spots and starts sort of actually sort of coming onto terms with Pac. And it's sort of like they be- he's becoming equal. But Pac would sort of hit one thing and he'd be in control again. He'd be taking the piss a little bit. He'd be stalling, thinking, I've got, I'm fine here. Gets to 20 minutes and Pac's whole demeanor changes. And with that 20 minute call, the crowd start getting mad, basically. Man. And you know what? Those 10, 20 minute calls that Rev Prober use him. 
the booze have gone away and it's gone away because of matches that tell stories like this where they use the time limit fully to their advantage to help tell the story and this is a really smart way of kind of getting that time limit over with the crowd I thought as well mm. so at 20 minutes he starts getting more aggressive but as he's getting more aggressive he's getting sloppier so Oku starts getting more hope spots in and starts getting more confident and starts getting way more and you're thinking God, this is on for a Joshua Ruiz style upset here, this one. <laughs> then we get to 25 minutes and Pac starts losing it even more. But by the 27th minute, he's got him. And then he goes up and he is Vincent Company style shot from 25 yards. as <laughs> that black arrow from the top rope. And after 28 minutes, he puts him away. And we've got a new star in Michael Oka at the cockpit. Like, he was over anyway. My God, is he going to be over at the mm. cockpit from now on? And I really hope this translates to the bigger shows as well, because he's a young lad, and he's just had the match of his life and been given the opportunity of his life. And you know what? For all the shit I've given Pac and as bored of him as I've been, if you're going to put him in matches like this where he can make young guys in defeat, mm. I'm absolutely fine with that. The face-heel dynamic was absolutely perfect here. And honestly, I don't know if this is going to translate on VOD. I find when I've watched cockpit stuff back, it often doesn't translate very well. Mm. But if you're going to watch anything from a cockpit show, give this one a watch because it was seriously good. Yeah. As a follow-on from that... Mm. Sorry, Benno. Are you probably going to bring up the same point? Yeah, all I was yeah. going to say is you're not the only person I've heard, I've heard say that. So, hundred percent believe you. It it does sound like a great match. It sounds like you know, for me, I'll be being critical of the pack use in Rev Pro, being critical of that countdown gimmick. Like that's again, it works. I'm glad that it's working now. I think all it takes is time. It was just the timing of when they introduced it that mm. made it. You know, it was, it was too transparent. Yeah, salty hammer, wasn't it? it? It was just it didn't work. But you know, I'm glad that all sounds positive, and I'm, I'm I'm excited to see that match. I think that's I think you're right. That's the ideal presentation of Pac, isn't it? If he's going to be in a situ- in situations where he can't lose, and like you know, even if if you were under a rock and you didn't realize that already with the AEW news, it's literally in your face now, isn't it? That everyone knows that's the situation with Pac. It's out there. There isn't a chance that he's going to be losing any of his matches. But it, it's interesting because you're not the only person I've heard say that how good that match was and how people bought bought, in, bought into Michael Oku as well, who you know is someone that it sounds like they've made too that they've for for all the the problems with losing people to WWE, I don't think he's someone on WWE's radar, so he's the right kind of person to make. And for me, these are the I don't know if it ties into what you were about to say, JP, but ta- these are the types of matches that yeah. It, it, it makes me a little bit more positive on Pac and Red Pro's booking in general. These are the types of matches I do want to see him in, uh, and I'm excited to see him in. I, d- I am, although I suppose the proviso is I'm actually going to mention about the post-match angle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going. Now, that's happening at the cockpit, <laughs> and I've probably got a theory about how what the best possible ending for it could be circumstances. in Manchester. I was this really is Pac and David style. Yeah, I yeah. was really surprised when they announced it for the cockpit because that's a big match for a cockpit mm. show as well. But same day as Progress big... in Manchester, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah no but I think we can... Good to see that Progress are booking David Starr after his big win. Eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I've got a feeling we're going to get a screwy finish in this one. We, we got right a... before. I don't want to see it. I, I, I honestly, if you told me that like six months ago, Pack and David Starr were going to have a match, and I don't want to see it. I just don't like. 
it's an anti-draw for me. It's the opposite of me being interested because all I'm thinking about, Joe, is what is the get-out going to be? What is the screwy finish going to be? Because there's going to have to be one. Or David well, Starr's going to lose, and I don't like either of those scenarios. And that's a match I should be excited about. And as much as I'll definitely. look forward to seeing that Oku match, I, I I just don't care about this match. And that's Rev Pro. Sh- I just don't think Rev Pro should be putting him in this position. I think it's bad booking. I just wouldn't use I, like this. I, I was going to say on this, and you know, I could be wrong, the way I would, the simplest way, is the draw? Is I just having the half, the half an hour draw. If they draw, I'm not you've watching. Got, I don't know if you, uh, <laughs> David Starr as well. The other angle that came out of this, and oh, one thing I should comment on: Ricky Shane Page. What's the appeal? I don't. I'm confused. Like, <laughs> he's a nice lad. Oh, he's quirky. He's funny. Death matches way. <laughs> like, ah, oh, he's over with a very small portion of the audience, and I'm just utterly confused by what his appeal is because. He's not very good and he's not very funny. My God, did he get some mileage out of letting Mark Andrews and Pete Dunn keep on his floor for a few nights about six <laughs> years ago. Um, oh, he's used that one, hasn't he? But yeah, the David Starr match and Ricky Shane Page did very little for me. And I'm a massive David Starr fan, but Ricky Shane Page is someone I just do not understand. Mm. But after David Starr thankfully put him away and he buggered off, he cut a great promo on uh, Quilden again. But... They've gone in this direction where, at the next York Hall show, Starr has challenged Quilden to find an opponent of his choosing mm. uh, for the rights of Rev Pro, <laughs> which I'm kind of like, <laughs> all right, there's a direction. I didn't expect yeah. that to come about. Like, mm. I, I, I let it play shit. out before making judgment. But at the same time, I did think maybe the pack match was going to be at York Hall or at the Manchester show. But I've also got a feeling that we'll get a draw in the Pat match and then we'll get a no time limit match at York Hall where Pat does face David Starr and Pat goes over David Starr at York Hall potentially. Uh, Who knows? Or maybe, and we're all open for this, Dragon Gate pull their finger out with Ben K. (laughs) But fuck, I don't know. Do you know what? I haven't seen any of his matches and I was going to plan to, to watch in the build up to this. They can't put it on him soon enough. Just put it on him. Just put the fucking belt on him. He's fine. He's brilliant. If anyone from Dragon Gate's listening, I don't know why you would. But, yeah, put the belt on Ben K. you some Ben K matches. <sighs> Dragon Gate correspondent as well. Oh, I mean, <laughs> watched it a couple of, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, it just, for me, yeah. Put the belt on him, and then and then and then we are sucking Diesel to bring it back to the start of the show. Then. <laughs> but yeah, just, sorry, mate. Will Cooling's made the point though on his podcast, and I completely agree with him. If you're gonna have this situation with Pack, you know what? You know how it'd be much more forgivable if he was over here defending the Dragon Gate belt, and if he was winning all his matches as champion yeah. in matches for the belt. I honestly think it. I'd be able to stomach it a lot more. I'd be able to stomach him beating people of David Starr's level because. Yeah, that's a, that's an anti-draw for me. I don't want to see that match. And to be honest, I don't want to see David Starr and Andy Quilden feuding over the rights to Rev Pro. For me, that's a that's a worrying sign from a from a booking point of view. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's such a weird direction to go in. Like I was just not them, is it? Confused when yeah. it was said. It, it does seem a bit WWE. But look, Starr's promo ability is different level. What if he starts doing I promos? Think, I think that bloke could make a bloody lamppost look entertaining at this point, let's be honest with you. I, you know, he can make the most boring man have an entertaining match, an entertaining segment. I, I'll, I'll let it play out, like I say, before making judgment. But yeah, I, I don't interesting. Want to 
I don't want to hear the one thing I don't want to hear, David. I think what worries me most about this pack match, I don't want to hear the David Starr promo where he alludes to pack not being able to lose. Let's let's not let's not go full Russo. He said it last night. Oh. He said he doesn't care about where he's. Pack did a promo where he said, "I lay down for no one," and then David Starr came out at the end and said, "I don't care of where you sit politically or something like that." Uh, which you know could be a double entendre. Pa- perhaps Pack loves. I don't know. The Brexit Party. Newcastle. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. He's, uh, he's one of the old uh, Labour boys up there, I reckon. Oh, okay. Who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, he's quite selfish with his win-loss record, isn't he? So, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit Brexit Party, yeah. He's very conservative with his win-loss record, let's say. <laughs> uh, um, so we'll see. But he basically said it last night. And, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. I'll be there for it, but... Yeah, I'm 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 gonna go into it with bated breath, wondering whether this is gonna go half hour, and I think most of the crowd will be. But the way they announced it last night was that everyone was on a massive high after mm-hmm. the Oku match, so it got mm-hmm. over when they announced it. That's good. Oh, at least there's that. I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, hopefully they've got a, an ace up the sleeve that makes it a bit more interesting, at least for me. But I'll at least definitely be checking that coppage. Oh, I was a. Uh, Anything else uh, you want to talk uh, from RevPro otherwise? Do you want to? We've gone a little bit late. Rate the five seasons of The Wire. Uh, anything else you want to talk before we, we get out of it? Do a Wire podcast with you if you want. Um, television we'll recommendation with a strict asterisk on it of if you like dogs, don't watch it, but Chernobyl. Tony Khan might be watching it then. <laughs> oh, it's like Tony Khan's worst nightmare. Yeah. That, that certainly nothing, that fourth episode. I won't go into too much, but if you like dogs, no. If he was in Chernobyl, his business fan would be out the window with the old dogs, wouldn't it? <laughs> Any, anyway. <laughs> Tony, if you listen, I apologise, but he's probably not got this deep anyway. I'm sure he's not. Cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Sorry, funny. love you really. <laughs> awesome. Uh, anything we want to plug before we go? Um, JP? I might be on um it's it the series is out now i'm not do, i'm doing the year 2000 but um wh park has been doing on post wrestling um doing his started his cruel summer series where looking at the finals of the g1 from the very first one to the very end i'm doing the year 2000 in case you're curious do you want to know what's in it or should i wait till it's come out no go on. Alright, I got I got Nakanishi versus uh Sasaki oh, in the off. final of that one. So I, I won't I won't Yeah. I'll, I'll, you have a listen. You fond, you think. fond memories of the uh, su- cruel summer in two thousand <laughs> when you were twenty one watching the G one, eh? Getting uh, the tapes in. That's that that yeah. was me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was a yeah, it was a, a fun match to watch. It was really good fun being on the podcast as well. So I think like he's, I don't know if it's if it's one a week or one every few days, but yeah, so two a that weekend, should be coming out. Yeah, yeah. he's doing Saturday Sunday releases. Yeah, that's right, two a week. So you'll get to the year two thousand soon enough. Is he using Banana Rama as the soundtrack? I, I, is, we certainly spoke about it. Cool. Banana Rama, yeah. He's got good. <laughs> he's got good references. Good. One taste. of Mike Tyson's favorite songs, "Cruel Summer" by Banana Rama. Mike Tyson. Yeah. And he was at All Elite as well, wasn't he? I was just he? thinking that. Where have I seen him recently? Oh, yeah. Backstage at he Double or Nothing. Chris Jericho's dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> I think he lives in Vegas, possibly. Oh, definitely does. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember, he turned up a hangover as well. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he, he turned up a Bananarama Cruel Summer. Yeah. Uh, night, I think 1986. Yeah. Do you not know the song? I know the song. 
Oh, I no, just... that's one of his favourite songs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard Banana Rama talk about how he sung it to them before or something. What are we fucking talking about? <laughs> <laughs> shall, we, shall I get it? It's getting here to midnight. It's, uh, we'll get into the result. But yeah, let's uh, let's get out of here. <laughs> follow, follow JP on Twitter at JPJP. Follow me at Benson Richard E. Follow the Grapple app at Grapple app. Uh, download Grapple um, on the Apple Store. Also download it on the Android, uh, on Google Play Store. Uh, leave your ratings, follow us, do all that good stuff. And yeah, that's uh, pretty much us for another week. We'll be back next week talking the final of the best of the Super Juniors and everything else we've been watching in the world of pro wrestling. Bye.